again, I always love the fact that like I only know sayings from folks from like tourists that have come through or like friends that I've met around the world. And like you could completely lie to anybody oh, and yeah. just make up something and just have people going around for the rest of like what a beautiful long prank that is. To just be like, yeah, just tell them like Whatever, the translation for blue paint is like the most offensive thing you can say. That's a long prank that a lot of people are playing in society with real facts. <laughs> yes, yeah, I guess you're ouch, right. Yeah. Ouch, ouch, shit. Espousing incorrect information. Oh, constantly. my God. Uh, so Marnie, early in our relationship, told me that she was out drinking with her cousin, Jenny, and um, Jenny's husband, Rocky, and they were doing Australian accents all night, and they were trying to figure out like the funniest thing you could say with an Australian accent. So I, uh, whenever someone talks about an Australian accent, because I can't do a good one, the term that they landed on and were laughing about for hours was leather jacket. Saying <laughs> leather leather jacket. jacket. You know, I, I could see that. It's a good All one. Right. It's a good one. It's, a, uh, I, it's funny that you actually bring that up because <laughs> last week I determined that um, if you're ever in a crowd and you need to find where the Minnesotans are in the crowd, ask everybody to say the two words lone and oak. Okay. Just yeah, casually yeah. just say those two words together and you will find every single Minnesota because they'll be like, Lone Oak. And then if you think you got one, be like, all right, now show a picture of like a speedboat and then with two words underneath that say great boat. They'll be like, oh, that's a great boat. Yeah. And you're like, yep, all right, we got you, you over there. <laughs> I had a British friend and my favorite, my favorite thing to ask him to say was hot water bottle because he <laughs> oh, sounds no. like he literally has like a tennis ball in his mouth. Oh, 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 hot water bottle. Like he literally couldn't say it. It was yes. like hot water bottle. <laughs> my favorite example of this, and I've said it before on the podcast, is my, I had a psychology teacher and he's from Boston and at one point said the words, Monarch butterfly. <laughs> it doesn't get better than that. Monarch butterfly with a Boston accent is just poetry yeah. in motion. Monarch butterfly. Uh, <laughs> I I was a, so there's a there's a band that I've talked about on this podcast before called uh, Frightened Rabbit that are from Scotland, and uh, when the lead singer uh, passed away in 2018, we there's this whole like Facebook group that formed, and it originally was formed for like just the shock of like losing this musician that we love so much. And now <clears throat> five plus years on, we're all just this really fun group of people that haven't like, we don't want to let go of each other. And right. so now we like share music and we share memories and whatever. And one of the guys uh, was doing an open mic in Glasgow and uh, he shared a clip of they were basically, they were trying to like get each other stumped on how to say phrases and uh, with a with a Glasgow accent, which is a very very thick Scottish brogue, um, one of the guys held up a sign that said "Purple Water Bottle Robber," and all it is it's just consonants. It's goes like "Purple Bottle Water Robber," like he just kept trying, and it just kept sounding like something was caught in his throat. And it's fucking brilliant. And then I looked it up, and basically, there's there's a whole ton of videos like this from Scotland that if you start with purple, like it's just a tough word for Scottish people to say if they have that thick, like mm. consonant heavy brogue from like the, yeah. for the Glaswegians. It almost makes them do the Arabic like <laughs> exactly. You know, like, like a little bit of that in there. Like all you need, all you need is like like hard P's and R's. Like, purple, 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 purple. like just you could just go like that, like a, like a Model T starting is basically what it sounds like. Or an outboard motor. It was just, it was, oh my God, I watched it over and over and over again. And the guy's like, no, 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 I can do this. And he kept trying and just, nope. 
You just I stuck. Had such a speech impediment when I was a kid that I sounded like I had a Boston accent. No kidding. Yeah, yeah. Which is funny for people that know wow. me now and know how much I talk. That I had a what was it? Large, was R's it R's and L's? I was gonna say if it was Boston, was R's it R's? And L's. I could not say R's and L's. So my my sisters would always say like, "Say remote control," and I was like, "Remote control." Like I couldn't do it. It was terrible. But <laughs> speech therapy, baby, works. That's all you can do. Now they can't shut me up. <laughs> well, I never could in the first place, but now I can. You did it to yourself. Now I talks better than you. <laughs> I, it is amazing, like. Um, speech pathology and and also like uh, audio pathology for people that can't quite hear themselves speak it's amazing like where the road breaks where people are like okay i figured it out and now i just would like to keep to myself and then there's a whole other sect that's like let's go mm-hmm. and we just keep talking i have i have bonded with so many folks like mm-hmm. that whereas like once you just figured out your voice like oh yeah why would i ever stop talking this is so much i work so hard on it why not just keep showing it off <laughs> have you heard this french tongue twister that I, I don't speak French, obviously, but I, I heard someone do this on a video. I wonder if I could, if I play it, if it'll. So it's, this is, the, the, this term is, my uncle shaves your uncle. Your uncle will be shaven. But in French, it's. Oh, my God. Let's see if this works. Let's I can see. already picture this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh. Let me see. Let me. <laughs> I saw one that was longer than that. They had more tons in it. And I was what? The video itself was. A version of that, but it's like, how can you ever learn French if this is a sentence you might say? Oh, I say that sentence. I was like, come on now, Charles, who's saying that? Right, sentence? But like some some derivative of that, like all I could hear in that, all I could hear was that transitioning into Cisco being like that. Tan ta tan tan tan. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Oh God. Minneapolis native Cisco, thank you very much. Yeah, sorry, Maple Grove native, I should say. Originally from or because he lives there? No, because he lives here. Because he, he lives uh, here. Yeah, he's originally from from uh, Baltimore. Resident. Yeah, uh, he grew up in Drew Hill, Baltimore. And uh, funny enough, um, before Drew Hill got signed, I actually got to see uh, Cisco had a job working at, basically there was a chocolate and fudge mall store that's very similar to like Cold Stone, where like if you tipped, they had to sing. Oh, God. And I was I was there, and I, I happened to be with uh, a few folks that were in. Uh, I was in high school. We were in a Habitat for Humanity trip, and a couple of people from my choir uh, happened to be with me. And we're at this mall, and uh, my friend Race Hopper comes running up to me. Funnily enough, his first name is actually Race. He he raced up to me, and he was like, "Dude, you have to hear this kid sing." And so we go over there, and as long as he threw a couple bucks in, like he would sing. And so we straight up just put. 20 bucks between the two of us, which in high school is a lot of money. Mm-hmm. High school in the, the mid-90s, it's a, a good amount of money. Mm-hmm. And like $500 in today's money. sang his ass off. Yeah. And we were like straight up just applauding. Like this, like, like you just saw the most amazing busker. And this is this dude at the same time is like working fudge with a paddle and like Whoa. putting, putting yeah. peanut butter in and like nuts and shit. Like it was, it's, it literally was Cold Stone, but, but in chocolate form. And then Drew Hill's like first. Gay porno, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> just, yeah. Fill in it. your own uh, imagination <laughs> here. But then uh, the next year, Drew Hill's first album comes out, and he came running up to me and he's like, "Bro, is this the dude that we?" And we're like, "Yeah, hundred percent." Wow. And can yeah. confirm, uh, he he fell in love with an amazing woman. She's wonderful. Uh, 
she is originally from the Twin Cities. Mm-hmm. They fell in love. Friend of a back friend. Here. Friend of a friend. Yeah, her her brother, so Cisco's brother-in-law, uh, worked with me for years, was an investor in, in one of the nightclubs that uh, I used to run. And uh, we actually got to confirm it one night. He's like, man, I can't believe you remember that. I'm like, dude, when you like hear random people sing and then like Cisco is singing, like there's a difference, you know? Yeah, just a bit. Like when there's just like a random 15 year old who's just like trying to make it through for minimum wage. Yeah, exactly. Come on now. And then like you come out and (laughs) sing, like there's a wild difference. And he's like, yeah, man, we made a lot of money. (laughs) A lot of fudge. A lot of fudge. I, I did not expect to get to Cisco making fudge today. That's it's fun. What happens, right? But here it is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Charles, how are you? How's the How's the new year going? Spectacular. You know what? I just realized when I was in the restroom washing my hands, there's no drain cover. I have to. There be, is. Yes. You I have must, to beware. Careful on that ring, son. I have to beware. If you've obviously heard the story from when we were in New York and I dropped my ring down. The drain. The I world's be, oldest I sink. I have to be very careful now when I look at the sink. I'm like, I don't know. And I didn't, I haven't realized it until now. So I'm like, oh, mm. I need to be careful in here. I mean, we could, because we're here, we could actually put enough um, vanilla ice woods, a.k.a. still my favorite <laughs> yeah. rap name, yeah. down there. And we could maybe foam your ring up. Hey, let's hope that that doesn't come to that, okay? <laughs> I would prefer that, I yes. It's also a much shorter U-joint, so we could definitely figure that out. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, I can come back here anytime I want. It's not a cigar bar in New York City. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, what was, was it? Uh, I can't remember the guy's name. The, the guy... That helped. I want to call him Sosa, but that's not right. The guy, the, the yeah. bar man that helped. I yeah. don't recall. Oh man, he was so great. Yeah, no, that was it was a great time. I'd love to get your ring out, but I got to deal with my ex-wife. Anyway, I'm going to walk over here now. It's a great experience. <laughs> so. Great story. Well, of story course, the pod. if you're here in Charles and Ben, you know this is libations for everyone. But yeah. we have a brand new guest. My dear, would you introduce yourself to everybody and let them know. What amazing shit you are up to right now. Yes. So hello, everybody. My name is Jillian Hiscock. I use she, her pronouns. I am the owner of a bar of their own, which is soon to be Minnesota's first sports bar to exclusively show women's sports. Hell yeah. I am so excited. So dope. For for folks that are in the Twin Cities area or maybe coming through, uh, we have an incredible lineup of sporting events that are coming up this year. Uh, do you want to kind of let people know, and we can talk about this again at the end, um, where specifically in the city you are geographically? Yeah, so we are in South Minneapolis in the Seward neighborhood uh, at 2207 Franklin Avenue. It is the former location of Tracy's Saloon and Eatery, which had actually been around since 1979, so a long-time community staple. And, uh, yeah, so it's in South Minneapolis right off 94 by Augsburg University. Pizza Luce is across the street. Code Blue, one of my favorite coffee shops. Code Blue, great is, coffee shop. Uh, Had coffee in there this morning. Oof, love that place. Yes. Still the espresso beans that I use to make my espresso bourbon. Oh, there you go. Mm-mm-mm. And uh, Tracy's was known for incredible wings. And I believe I did read that the wings are going to live on. That is true. Yes. As part of our purchase agreement of the building, we did purchase the wing recipe. That's super cool. Red. Yes, I yes. Was, I was chatting with uh, Jillian a little earlier before you arrived, Quam, and you know this already, but when Marnie, my wife, and I started dating, you know, almost nine years ago now, uh, that was one of our date spots. So when I heard that that was the location, 
said he was coming and I didn't know where. I was super pumped and I like ran into the other room to tell Marnie like, oh my God, it's going to be at the old Tracy's. So that's super dope. Also, I'll never let Marnie live this down, but Tracy's used to have uh, bacon wrap dates. Oh yeah. And she kept telling me, you got to get the bacon wrap figs. You got to get the, before we like went there on a date and I hadn't been there in a long time and probably never ate food there. And I was like, bacon wrap figs, that sounds dope. No one does that. Everyone does bacon wrap dates. I'm wondering how they do it. And then there were bacon wrap dates. I was like, these are dates. It says it right on the menu. <laughs> so like to this day, anytime devils on horseback are available on a menu, I'm like, hey, Marnie, you want some bacon wrap figs? <laughs> She's like, all right. <laughs> Wait, what is, how did the devil on a horseback? I've never heard that. That's oh, the first time I've heard no, that. No, that's a super popular name for it. And huh. I just don't understand where that came from. No idea. Like there's nothing about that that looks like that. There's it's nothing not about that. Yeah, there's not. So is the the horse is the date and the devil's the bacon? Devil is, I don't. Devils on horseback. Yeah, that's what's called. Get out of here. I don't know. It's a great is. name for a food that is not befitting of the title. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's you know? it's a very much like a non sequitur. Like I don't understand how that works. But jalapeno popper could be called that. Maybe that would make more sense. Well, spicy. Yeah, it's a spicy. It's Do a you spicy. want to hear what the Google says? What yes. the Google.com says? Yeah, let's see. The Google.com says that it is chosen as a counterpart to angels on horseback, which are bacon wrapped oysters, which preceded okay. them on the culinary scene. You know, <laughs> I want to know what the prep looks like of somebody the, trying oh. to wrap. Oyster? Oysters with bacon. <laughs> fry them, then fry Okay, them again? that, that could work, I guess. Oh, man. No. Yeah, that's uh, okay. I want to, like, run with a leg on each horse. You know what <laughs> I mean? Pop one in the mouth, pop, pop that one in the mouth, pop that one in the mouth. That's, I mean, we, we also do it. We do, <laughs> we do have to understand that there was a time. Picture it, within, within the last hundred years that we didn't have marketing departments. Yeah. So I like the fact that like angels on horseback, people are like, oh, I guess that's just what they're called. Like, yeah, for, I've never heard that either for oysters. No, I've, I've never, definitely I've never, never heard, heard of bacon wrapped oysters. <laughs> I've heard of bacon wrapped dates. It's just dates instead. I don't even know what would be more expensive at the time. I, you can tell Marnie I've never heard of bacon wrapped figs, though. <laughs> yeah, a, right. yeah, no matter what. No matter which angel or devil. Like, I don't, the I'm horseback sorry, Marnie. I used to try to stand up for the women. You could bake, that, you could bake if, I'm, I'm picturing it now. You could bake a fig wrapped in bacon, drizzle it with some honey and some balsamic. You should do goat it cheese in it. night. Oh, there we go. Come on. See what right. I would like, but see, then Very I'd rather, right. I'd rather take the fig and, and bake that with like bacon crumbles on top and maybe like a Is little version blue cheese, like foam in there. Prosciutto. Yeah. Some prosciutto, baby. Prosciutto. Wrap it up in the sheets, the prosciutto. Ooh. Prosciutto. Oh, let's see. We need a new name for this. Something on horseback. <laughs> Cisco on horseback. Cisco, Cisco on horseback. Pew, pew, pew. That ton, 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 Oh, my God. Well, uh, I am I'm so happy, Jillian, that you are here. Uh, it's, it's rad to have uh, a bunch of shared history and to have sort of just, like, watched each other go through uh, lots of different hurdles and lots of different crazy things in life. Um but I I met you originally through through Bent Paddle Brewing. Yay! So uh, our good friends up in Duluth, uh, the Mullinsizizizs and the Tonnesizizizizs, uh, two couples got together and started a brewery, and they managed to hire an incredible group of human beings. And somehow I snuck my way in there, and uh, I got to meet you and honestly your mother. <laughs> oh, Mama Joyce. I do believe either at the same time or you first and then the next week I met Mama Joyce. Yeah, probably, probably. But 
I don't, I don't actually know the story of how you got into craft beer. So before we get into this, I, I kind of want to know where, where that came from, because we, we just cracked a beautiful false hibernation, which is a, a Czech style dark lager. I believe this is Neil's recipe. I, I think I'm going to, I'm going to cross my fingers on that one, but, um, this comes out, uh, by the time this episode is posted, this will be coming out the following week. Um, but I love the fact we've talked about this on the show before that more loggers and more styles of loggers are coming out. And Neil is such an incredible genius when it comes to that. Uh, and Brian and Colin, two of the co-owners are as well in just coming up with really, really beautiful, refined classic beer styles. Um, but, uh, when we talked about what to drink today, that was one of the first things that you threw out. So also we should talk about their relationship to, to your bar as well. Yeah. Well, and I just have a long history with Ben Paddle. In terms of how I got into craft beer, I'm actually like trying to think like, what is the answer to that question? <laughs> um, I turned 21 in England. I was studying abroad in England and I did not like beer. Like I did not like beer at all. And then I went to England and like fell in love with beer, which is so funny because it was like yeah. pub ale. Like I was not drinking like beer that I drink now, but mm -hmm. I just like fell in love with beer when I was in England. Um, and so I came back with like 27 new pint glasses that had happened their ways into my pockets, <laughs> leaving pubs in England. And, um, and it was in my senior year of college and, um, and just kind of started Patrick's on third down in St. Peter, Minnesota. I went to Gustavus. So um, they had a really, really great craft beer selection. So I just started kind of getting into beers there. Um, had some gateway beer drugs. You know, I always, I always said Surly Furious was my gateway drug into craft beer um, and really just kind of fell in love with it and then know so many kick-ass people that are associated with the beer world. So um, one of my dearest friends from college, Brent Rome, um, was also one of the great people hired by Ben Paddle when they first started. And before they had like formal ambassador programs or outfitter programs, whatever they call them now, um, I was living in St. Cloud at the time and Brent was the director of sales for Ben Paddle. And he was like, Hey, there's this like beer thing. And then we need somebody to pour. And I gotta, I can't be there. Like, do you want to just go to this thing at the civic center and pour beer? And I was like, I mean, yeah, sure. That sounds fine. Um, and that was, gosh, nine years ago. I mean, literally um, right after Ben Paddle opened. And so um, I've been an ambassador for Ben Paddle since. Uh, but even more than that, uh, like you said, I went to college with Colin um, and and uh, Laura. So they both went to Gustavus as well. I knew Colin. He was a music major like me. Uh, so we spent some time in the music library. Back and it should be said, Colin fucking shreds. Incredible. That dude, when you put a guitar in his hands... Uh, it took me over a year before working for Bet Paddle before I actually got to see him play. And I was like, okay, now I get why you were the yeah. music major. But he was also like, he did upright bass yeah. when he was in college. Yeah. I mean, that's what, that was his instrument. So, uh, so yeah, so, um, Long history with Ben Paddle, just love the people, love the place, um, have worked a million festiversaries, uh, and my wife and I actually got married there, so we were the first wedding to be held Ooh. at the new tap room. Can and confirm, I was there. Can confirm. My wife you, and I were there. Who was there, yes. So, um, so yeah, it's they've they've just been huge, huge supporters of me as a person, um, and when I announced that I was going to be doing this bar, uh, they reached out to me right away and were like, oh my gosh, what can we do together, because they're 50% women-owned and we're really making sure that in our beer in our bar as much as we can we're lifting up women-owned businesses uh, women-owned vendors companies things like that and they're obviously being 50% women-owned and with my long history with them I knew we wanted to do something so working on some options for some potential special brews uh, we'll be we'll be always having some Ben Paddle online I can guarantee that mm -hmm. um, and yeah just love everything they put out love the people love the Paddle It Forward program I mean they're just they're wonderful humans so they were 
they were kind of, for me, uh, I had a, a very short stint with another brewery when I, I quit the nightclub industry and just kind of jumped without a parachute. And uh, about six months in, I got a job with Bent Paddle. And uh, Brent, who Jillian just referenced, uh, was kind of my first, like, he was my first mentor in the industry. And uh, he and his lovely wife live out in Vegas now, and I still text him all the time, like, when random things come up that that he taught me. Like, I would not be in the role that I am right now if it wasn't for Brent's kindness. But uh, taking it a, a step farther back and looking at what Brian and Karen and Laura and, and Colin have built, <clears throat> it really was in, in the, the, the breadth of the craft beer industry across the country to have it 50% woman-owned is amazing. And then to see the way that, um, that everybody has steered it towards giving back to the environment and trying to do things that celebrate the actual water that comes in, like 100% of the water in that beer is from Lake Superior. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's really rad to see. And they've, they've faced absolutely horrific opposition on a lot of their environmental programs and they have continued to push back on that. I mean, their company literally depends on it. Like yeah. they need Lake Superior to have good water so they can keep having kick-ass beers. So yeah, no, they've been, they've been incredible. And questions when I've had about, do I take investors? What does that sound like? Like they've been just like super, super forthcoming with information. So it's rad. Like, you know, I left uh, my position with them in 2019. So as we're recording this now, five years ago, and I still, if I'm in Duluth, that's the very first place that I have to go. Uh, all four of those humans are absolutely top notch and, and people that I'm proud to still call friends. Mm -hmm. And it's, they're just good folks. So if you're ever in the upper Midwest area, uh, check out some, some bent paddle. They're just wonderful people making incredible award-winning beer. Uh, a lot of the doors uh, in my brain, because as Charles and I have talked about on the show before, I was much more of a cocktail and wine guy before I got into the, the beer scene actually selling it. And a lot of Bent Paddles beers were the ones that blew doors open for me and kind of introduced me to a lot of different styles. And so it's rad. We have uh, both, as the, the aforementioned, uh, Dark Lager. And then we also have Snowmaker, which when I used to work there was a... Uh, it was a one-off that they did, I believe, for Spirit Mountain originally, a, a small skiing area up in the, the Duluth Lake Superior area. And now it's become a part of their year-round calendar. People demanded it. Oh, it's so good. Just a, like a beautifully rich, malty, so roasty good. pale ale. So good. Just are tasty. We, are we talking about craft beer so much because people are mad at me about last week? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm, trying to, I'm trying to amend some fences. <laughs> no, because I'm here, Charles. Yes, no. we, we do drink the craft beers. We the, don't. We don't hate craft beers. The, the the quality of craft beers has been amazing, but absolutely, we, we've talked about on the show before that the waters have maybe gotten a little bit muddied when it comes to what is acceptable and is good that goes into craft beer. I could I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, then. Uh, I <laughs> once the word adjunct gets thrown around, I just I bristle. Yeah, it's just not not my thing. So. But that's let's, a different discussion. Yeah, well, let's talk about like the philosophy of the bar and yeah. what yeah, yeah. you know how beer fits into that, like your food program, kind of like the elevator speech about like what the bar is about beyond I mean, obviously because the entire know, country central. is is paying attention now, <laughs> yeah. which is amazing. Uh, literally, um, right before I got in here, Ben Brent Rowe and I were actually on a PBS NewsHour segment. So hey, Rowe, literally everywhere. Uh, yeah, so the bar. I mean, the biggest goal for me. Um, when I first heard about the sports bra out in Portland, which is where I got this idea, so that was Shout the uh, yeah the first. Let's give them some Jamie sprinkles. Yeah, the, uh, the first ever women's sports bars out in Portland, Oregon, owned by this woman named Jenny Wynn, who was an incredible 
like brave woman to step into this world um, has been also just really wonderful since I got started uh, doing this. I called her for the first time in May and was like, I think I'm going to do this. Talk me out of it. And she's like, I can't because I think Minneapolis would be great. So um, the whole idea for me behind this whole thing is really rooted in community. I have zero business starting a bar. I have no, I shouldn't say I have no bar experience. I do. I've been a bartender, a server, a host, an expo, all those things. Um, But uh, for me, it's really all rooted in community and making sure that not just young girls and not just women, but all folks have a place where women are celebrated and uplifted on the regular and by default. Um, And so for me, thinking about our target market, thinking about where we're at um, and thinking about kind of the time we're in, it's super important for me and as we're crafting not only our food menu, but our drink menu to be really responsive to that and make sure that we are having um, really robust options of beverages in our beverage program. So we'll have craft beer, we'll have lots of craft beer, we'll have non-alcoholic beer, we'll have mocktails, we'll have ciders. We want to make sure that folks, whether or not they drink alcohol at the moment or ever, um, feel like they can come and have as much fun at the bar as somebody who's throwing down some bent paddle as well. So um, that's a huge thing for me. I think that's a huge thing in the in the queer community and among, among women in particular is having good options and not just wanting Diet Coke to be your only non-alcoholic option. Shout out to the Diet Coke lovers out there. <laughs> um, so that's super important for me. Another thing uh, with the food, it, it translates as well in that I think a lot of times sports bars, they've gotten better, but you know, I love my fried chicken wings and tater tots as much as the next gal. And there's sometimes if I'm sitting watching three hours of basketball, I don't want to sit and eat fried food for three and a half hours. Uh, So we're going to have healthier options as well. So we'll have um, things that are gluten-free, dairy-free, things that start out vegan, and you can add protein if you want. Um, Because I think that you know, being a place where people know that they can come and get good food um, that meets their dietary preferences or requirements without having to do a ton of modifications is another way that we can just prioritize people's dietary needs. And a lot of women have more dietary needs that aren't often addressed at bars and restaurants and particularly at sports bars. So, um, so those are big things. Um, I think it really is just like, it's crazy to think about starting a place where you are literally thinking about prioritizing women in every aspect. Like I kid you not, I was cleaning. This is, this is an explicit podcast. So I can say this. Let's go. I was cleaning urine stained walls from the former men's bathroom in the bar today because it's super important for me to have clean bathrooms, Mm -hmm. which uh, women hate bar bathrooms because they're disgusting. And so things like making it a place that women can come and feel safe and, and everybody can come, but really prioritizing as a woman, as a queer woman, as a queer white woman, what can I do to make this space safe for me and for my community? And then also putting on those different lenses and saying like, how do I make this an accepting place for non-binary folks? How do I make sure families feel welcome here? Because it's super important for me to see, have young kids also see women athletes on TV and prioritized because I never had that as a kid. Like I never saw women athletes on television unless it was the Olympics, Um, which is why for my generation and mid, you know, eighties babies, the 1996 Olympics gymnastics team is so such a powerful moment for so many people because it was literally the first time that we saw 
women and American women like celebrated and acknowledged for their athletic accomplishments. Um, yes, there's Billie Jean Kings and all those, like, I'm not trying to, to downplay those things, but, um, but we just need as a community to have a space where it's the default that like, Mm -hmm. we're saying women kick ass, whether or not you're a woman, if you think women kick ass and you want to be around kick ass women, come to our bar. Mm -hmm. So, um, so that's really kind of the ethos we're going into with it. Um, making sure it's super inclusive, family friendly, um, and also just kind of has something for everybody. I've loved watching social media, like the amount of people that are like, if I could have grown up going to a place like that, I wouldn't have felt like it was such an, a, a crazy thing for me to want to be an yeah. athlete. Yeah. You know, like the minute that you, again, it's, it's always just being able to see yourself in a role allows you to dream of being in that role. And it really shocked me. I, 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 Again, this is coming from my mid-40s white guy place of privilege. But, like, it really shocked me that when the news kind of broke and they were, like, going to be the third bar in the entire country that's, like, doing – like, I, I don't understand how that's possible until you look at the greater scope of things and you're like, oh, I totally understand how this is possible. Oh, yeah. And it's – I mean, the, the thing that's been killing me about this, and I feel like I can say this in the in the comfort please, of, please. Of, these, of these two fine gentlemen here. Um, the thing that cracks me up the most about the internet trolls, which are the – you know, I try not to read the comments too often because you can get sucked into them. And I'm not a person that keeps my opinions to myself very easily. So um, I have to watch my fingers before I type. Um, but all these people that are like, if there was a men's sports bar, people would be riding in the streets. Oh and I was like, have all you, of them. have you walked into a sports bar in the last 20 years? Like it's literally the first line of my business plan is like, chances are, if you walked into a sports bar recently, you didn't think of it as a men's sports bar, but that is 100% what it is. Mm-hmm. There's or- maybe one tiny channel TV in the corner that's showing a gymnastics meet or a volleyball game, but right. it's just, it's like mind-boggling to me that people can't make that switch of like you are at a men's sports bar (laughs) like that's yeah that's where you are right now are they aware how many private sports clubs for hundreds of years were men's only correct and this isn't women's only no the conversation does not need to be had it's like that needs to be like muted blocked farewell but but like in my own life's experience part of the reason that i 100 percent am behind the if you see representation Mm -hmm. it just makes sense for 1995 1996 1997 i was one of two women's basketball team managers in my high school our team was fucking dope and we traveled around the country we were rated in the top 10 in the country for two of those three years it was amazing that that was just normal to me and it was only when I would talk to people that didn't go to our high school that would like question why I was doing it. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like I was just in Philadelphia in a tournament <laughs> watching the most amazing athletes play against each other. And also being a six foot five teenager. Oh my God, I'm around tall women constantly. <laughs> like this is a win-win. If you're looking at me and you don't understand why this works, like what's wrong with you? <clears throat> I, I, I was... I was an okay athlete at best, but what I was really good at doing was playing a role in practice Mm -hmm. where I could be a bigger body that could take a charge, that could learn how to do stuff. And I got to be a better athlete Mm -hmm. because I worked with these incredible humans. Mm -hmm. And going into- Who happened to be women. Who happened to be women. It didn't fucking matter. Like, (laughs) no offense to our guys basketball team, y'all were my homies, but we weren't even getting close to winning our own conference. Mm -hmm. Like, I was watching- 
the creme de la creme in person every single day, day in and day out. Mm-hmm. And to me, it was all about the competition and it was all about the athleticism. It didn't fucking matter. Like what pronouns you ran under. It was like, this is, this is the best that we have right now. And I get to be a part of it. Like what an mm-hmm. honor. And I learned so much through them. And because of that, I also got to be inside. Like, this is why I just feel so fortunate that I get to be like inside of a bubble where I got to see it from the inside out where at those tournaments, you know, we weren't getting anywhere near the numbers that they're getting right now. And it just fills my heart so much to see arenas completely full, but we were packing gymnasiums like crazy. Mm -hmm. And it was really rad because that was almost like a, a safe space. Isn't the right word, but a space where it could all be celebrated and to see where things have gotten now and to be able to sit across and look at you and see that this is a bar that's opening. Like this would have been, if we had been in bar culture at that age, mm-hmm. like this would have been the dream yeah. for every single one of those people on yeah. that team, yeah. me included, yeah. like so fucking rad. And I, I'm, I just feel so lucky that I get to a know you and Megan and then B get to live in a world where we get to see that actually happen. Yeah. yeah. I saw this TikTok that went around this weekend after the PWHL, which is the professional women's hockey league yeah. uh, that just started this last week. Minneapolis uh, is a host of a team, actually St. Paul as a St. Paul. I should highlight St. <laughs> Paul is uh, they're playing at the XL energy center in St. Paul, Minnesota. Um, but uh, there was a TikTok. That went around because in Minneapolis, we, God dang it, Minneapolis, I keep doing that. St. Paul, we set the record for the most, the highest attendance at a women's professional hockey league game with 13,000 people at the game. And I was there on Saturday and it was absolutely electric. Huge number. And somebody posted a TikTok that was like, I love that I live in a world where like young girls will only know professional women's hockey looking like this. Like, I can't even think about how my life would be different. If that had been my reality as a young girl, Mm -hmm. not even hockey player, just as a young girl and and a young boy. Mm -hmm. Like there were so many young boys at this game on Saturday and I was like looking at their parents like, hell yeah, thank you for bringing your young son to also watch women perform at the highest level. There's no difference. They're playing the sport. Like that's, I, I, yeah. Yeah. But I think there's, on this PBS special that we were just on too, I think one of the things that they said that that resonated with me a lot is we are now in the generation where Title IX kids are growing up and having kids. So like my mom was a Title IX baby, right? Like sports became legal for women when she was in high school. And so now you have a bunch of people like me who grew up around women who were like so amped and excited to elevate women's sports but didn't really have the platform yet. So then you get people like me who like know that we're on this precipice of greatness and I'm not having kids, but Lord knows plenty of people my age are having kids. And so they want that for their children. And they're now at a place where they can elevate it in a way that like my mom couldn't elevate it. Like Mama Joyce is the best, but she didn't have the facilities around her and there wasn't the attention around her to be able to lift up women's sports in the way that it is now. I, I just got to give, as somebody who absolutely adores your mother, oh I got to give her credit though, because in absence of that, she absolutely helped light a fire oh. for you to just like run with that torch wherever yeah. it was going to go. For those of all you don't know Mama Joy, she's a, I won't tell her exact age, but late 60s woman that acts like she is 21 and will until she dies. She is a goddamn <laughs> force of nature. She is. And I like, she is one of very few people that the very first time I met her, I just called her mom. Yeah. Cause like she's the best. She's, she really is. And, the best. and it makes, it just, it's cool. It's cool to be at this point 
in in the world. And I'm sure that people have felt like this throughout history, or at least I hope they have. But it's really cool to be able to get to see like effective change happening like oh. in our adult lives. Yeah. And to 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 be able to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I just I'm so happy to have you here and I'm so thankful for what you're doing. And we as We're as excited. a group and as a podcast yeah, and, and not trying to speak for all of our listeners, but yeah. I will say like LFE Nation is so excited to come down and support you. Come out, yeah. And yeah. I mean you, you mentioned this earlier too, Ben, like the the things that are coming in Minneapolis. I mean, we are so fortunate in Minneapolis to have the sports culture that we do, yep. not just women's sure. athletics, but all athletics. Um, we have this incredible group of people in Minneapolis run by Andrew Graham, uh, rock star, yeah. um, called Minnesota Sports and Events that is responsible for bringing all these large-scale athletic events into the Twin Cities area. So mm-hmm. you're thinking everything from the women's Final Four that was here a couple of years ago. In June, we'll be hosting the national or the, uh, the U.S. Olympic Gymnastics Trials, which I'm super geeked out for. Hell yeah. um, they just announced that they're, we're going to be hosting the junior hockey tournament in 2026 which is like one of the largest youth sporting events in the entire world Um, and so we have all these people that are like acknowledge that Minneapolis is this great place for sports and for sports culture and we have great youth sport leagues that lead and feed into good high school into good club into good college leagues Um, and then obviously we have the most successful women's sports teams well all of our most successful sports teams in the Twin Cities are women's sports I'll just call that out very true. I can't Hell drop yeah. this mic because it's attached to the table. <laughs> but if I could. Please don't. Please don't <laughs> drop that mic. <laughs> it's a very expensive mic, please. <laughs> Actually, it's already been dropped once, and that's why it's missing one of the knobs. Mr. Flom. Yes. Why don't you talk about what we're drinking yeah, from so, our fine sponsors at Beam Suntory. Beam Suntory. So in addition to Jillian asking for delicious craft beer from my good friends at Bent Paddle Brewing Company, uh, one of the things that really surprised me, and we've talked about this before on the show, uh, Beam Centauri and, and Beam in particular decided to put out sort of an elevated version of like the ready to drink cocktails, the RTDs that are sort of like the bell of the ball right now uh, in parlance for like liquor stores and whatnot, where uh, instead of having to buy all the things to make drinks and then like having to get the ice program, here is something that's already been put together. And I've always been sketchy about that because we have, Charles, I think we can speak for both of us. We have had a lot of bad ones. Well, even, okay, years. even to interject very quickly, the first time we had one of these on the rocks cocktails was with Adam Witherspoon yep. on the show. And we didn't know what to expect because we hadn't had them. And we were like, we're all about transparency. We'd rather not talk about it than say something mean. Correct. But we had first tasted on the show with Spoonie. And he was the first one to be like, damn, that's good, huh? Like, wow, that's, that's actually kind of good. And we were like, yeah, that is, that's surprisingly to just grab that off the shelf. That is really good. And what I love about the On The Rock series is if you, no matter what flavor you buy, if you flip it around, it says exactly what spirit in is in there and how much is in there. So you know exactly what you're getting. But what kills me, like from the beautiful flat bottom and then sort of like rounded top, like jug top to it, it looks beautiful. It's a very attractive thing. And they just a liquor bottle. And they just keep growing the portfolio. And this is a brand new one, or at least new to me. I believe it came out late last year. But this is a white Negroni. And I will say straight up, Charles, if I didn't bring this and you had just come out with these, I would have thought that you made this cocktail in back. That would be, Dad, that would be believable. I mean, I'm almost done with this, and we haven't even cheers yet. So <laughs> exactly. Like, just, just full transparency. I'm not even exaggerating. We're just drinking away. I usually try to have a little more restraint because yeah. we have to do six 
slugs of whatever we're drinking. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's really good. It's really good. And they have, like at this point now, they have things from like fruity and tart all the way down to like very, very spirit forward. And to me, the spirit forward stuff is where I'm always kind of like weary, where I'm like, oh, I guess I'll try it. And honestly, I think this is the sixth or seventh flavor that I've been through. I still have yet to find one that I'm like, that's not my thing. Like, it really is kind of incredible that we just keep hitting it out of the park. And this one, you know, like, also the fact that for this series, it comes in 100 mLs, which is just like a single serve, 200 yeah. mLs, which would be for two people, um, 375s, which is like a half a normal bottle, and then 750s, which is like your traditional liquor bottle. Yeah. So if you want to, if you want to like just bring a bunch of little ones, so everybody's got one and you're going on a party bus or you're going on wherever you're headed. Fill up the cooler, different flavors. Fill up the cooler, you're good to go. If you want to grab something where you just want to have like old fashions or their Manhattan is incredible. It's a Basil Hayden Manhattan, which is one of my first favorites. Maker's Mark was my first. Basil Hayden was my second favorite Manhattan. You could just get a 750 of that, and then you don't have to worry about having everything and making sure that you have somebody that's mixing everything. It's all good to go. You could just pour it directly onto a rock and go forward with it. It's like these are, you know, again, like these are our sponsors, but really when you look at the ingredients on the label, it's what people are so wary of with a lot of RTDs in, in cans Correct. and the like is that it's stuff. Mm-hmm. So people are consumers are broadly skeptical that when they buy an RTD in a can, it is in effect like a malt beverage or like a really strong hard seltzer Correct. or a stronger hard seltzer. But this is actually formulated as a real cocktail mm-hmm. with real ingredients. So you can read on the label, including a bunch of spirits that are in the beam Centauri catalog. Mm-hmm. They basically are doing the work for you. If you really want to be like, I see people with these machines that mix cocktails for them. You know, if you want to do that, that's cool. But that's a lot of, that's a big entry point. Mm-hmm. This is like, they made the cocktail for you. Go grab it off the shelf, take it to the party, pour it in a glass. Mm-hmm. You know, you can mist out, fire it and fucking hide it in the cabinet. Nobody knows that you yeah. make it. Well, that's, that's the best part. And, and on top of it, if you know, you can definitely hide it, but if you want to show it off to people, it's also a gorgeous bottle. Like it looks nice. And not that that's like the end all be all of what it is, but like you can feel proud when you bust that up the same way that you would with like some of our, our bet paddle stuff or urban growler. Like when you set that down, the quality is implied mm-hmm. in the amount of care that it took to design that. Mm. And I, I, I just, again, it's appearance isn't everything, but when you have something that's really good and somebody on top of that takes the time to make it look nice looking at you pat most design uh when somebody takes that time to do that it adds an element to it where you can feel proud serving that yet yeah, plainly displays the sip smith logo because it is made with some white negroni that has sip smith gin vermouth and bitters in it yep very simply made i mean that's what you want in a negroni it looks beautiful in the glass it's yeah it's a it's a banger mm-hmm. it's good stuff and they're all like that. There's no real spirits in anything. It's all, like, everything is named out on all of them. So if you ever see them out there, it's a beautiful clear bottle. It says on the rocks very boldly. Just pick something that you're interested in and bring it. If you're going out, like, if it's the summertime, you're going on a boat, you're going out ice fishing, and you don't have to bring, like, a whole, like, cooler bag. You don't have to be the guy walking. I love that I'm already segmenting us by saying ice fishing. <laughs> Whatever people in warmer weather do in winter but i'm gonna say ice fishing like you don't want to be the one like with a rolling like cocktail bag bring it out there it's like just throw a couple bottles in your bag you're good to go 
Like it's it it really is that easy. And again, this flavor I had not tried before we started the show, and I am floored yet again. Like it's just another win. Hey, well, let's cheers to uh, getting into our topics. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is this is a pretty cool transition from what we were talking about with the bar. Quam, why don't you kick it off? Cheers, y'all. Cheers. Cheers. Mm-hmm. All right. Jillian. Uh-oh. You're opening a sports bar. I don't know if you knew that. Um, those menus across the country, as we kind of hinted at, have sort of always had some staples on there, for better or for worse. But I want to know, when looking at a, a typical sports bar menu, what is your favorite? What's your go-to? And can you design the perfect version of that? Ooh, wow. And again, mm. we have we have we've written these questions, so we do know. So if you want a second to think about it, you can kick it over. Yeah, I mean, gosh, it really depends on the mood I'm into though, because mm. I think uh Depends on what the rest of the evening's looking right. Like, yeah. if I'm just going to a sports bar and I'm going to be there for a while, like, it's a Saturday and there's, like, three hours of women's basketball on and I know I'm going to be chilling for a while, I'm going to choose differently than if I'm, like, stopping by a sports bar before I go to a Lynx game. Well, then pick pick whatever scenario yeah. you want. G- yeah. Give me the rundown of, like, a perfect <sighs> night and then what that item is and then what your perfect version of that item is. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I mean, from a food perspective, if I'm at a sports bar, I want, like pretzel with some nacho cheese Ooh, yes ma'am particularly if i'm going like to the Lynx game afterwards because i don't want to spend 14 dollars for like a concessions pretzel no offense yeah. target center right, right. um <laughs> i want to go and get one of those like big ass pretzels with some good beer cheese like the steering wheel size yeah, like pretzel. new bohemia in st paul minneapolis they have these oh, you know, they yeah. literally come on sheet pans monster uh give me one of those with uh, the mustards and the cheese yeah the cheese it's gotta have gotta have a good beer cheese um, but but I also probably if I'm not going directly to a game, I'm a big nacho fan. I'm a big nacho girl. Yes, I want I cheese on as many chips as possible. Hold on though, melted cheese or oh, like God, queso? Is, we've literally, like, as we've been designing our menu, this has literally been one of the biggest things that we've talked <laughs> about. Um, because I, my wife and I have very strong opinions, and they're different. So um, <laughs> I actually am more of a fan of like the beer cheese on the nachos because even though my wife's complaint and she's not wrong is that sometimes they get soggy, which is true. My wife loves the floppy chip; that's yeah, her favorite. Oof. See, and my she, wife wants the crispy. She when we're when we're at a, a movie, she will so- pre-soak chips in the cheese and then eat other Jenny, chips that's until and then it's it's all eh. mm, floppy chip. I wish you could all see the visuals that Ben's yeah. giving <laughs> the hand flop yeah. he's doing like a dead yeah. arm with yeah. do, do the dead the he's, dead fingers he's dead but fingering. she sold me on it I, I love it now I'm yeah. addicted yeah I mean but I I mean t- we spoke about Urban Growler earlier one of my favorite uh, nachos they have some incredible nachos at Urban Growler with an incredible beer cheese soup or beer cheese uh, uh, sauce on it St. Paul Minnesota uh, Saint, let's give them credit Paul, Minnesota women owned first women owned microbrewery in Minnesota women best ever Paul. Um, yes, but, uh, so I'm a nacho girl. Give me some good carnitas on it. Some good, uh, guac, fresh pico. Mama. Uh, not a big fan of sour cream. Yes. I love you. You're you're simpatico mm -hmm. in that way. Yeah. Yeah, No. Spice. What about heat? Oh, I love heat. I love heat. Like raw jalapeno, pickle jalapeno. Oh yeah. Give me some raw jalapenos for sure. 
Um, if there's like some kick-ass crybaby Craigs or some hot sauce that I can throw on top, even better. Mm-hmm. Uh, good meat. Got to have some good, you know, chunky carnitas on there. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's kind of my jam. I love a good pretzel, but that's just going to sit in my, my gut for the entire first half of the Lynx game that I'm going to. Sure. So, uh, so some nachos are probably a better decision for me. Can I, can I ask a Midwest question? Oh yeah. Because I don't understand. Oh this. yeah. Did you see Oh I, yeah. I literally didn't even oh, try yeah. to do that. Dang it. Bring me on down to that great boat. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Where where did where did black olives in nachos Ooh. come from? I don't fucking understand it, and I don't have a problem with black olives oh, on I their do. own. I sure as shit don't need them anywhere near nachos, and I think that's just a Midwest thing. Is it? Is it? I, yeah, I have no idea. It sure as shit is nowhere in the Southwest. I don't have it's a nowhere problem in California. with it personally. They're just there, you know. And I and I love every type of olive, including bad <laughs> canned black olives. Ugh. Bad canned black. <laughs> Olives. Bad can black olive. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make sense. Though. Like, who decided to do that? The, so the only other place I have not thought about it until so, right now. Right, so here's it's a, not in like traditional like Mexican. No. Not at all. Does not at all. Not at all. Black olives don't exist anywhere. <laughs> the only other this is this is where it sat with me. The only other place that I've seen black olives yeah. on Mexican cuisine was in Athlone, Ireland, at Sabor. They put black olives on top of all of their nachos, their burritos. That's the only other place I've seen it. Okay. But and, they're probably uh, doing an, 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 an Irish, it has version, to be, yep. Irish version of an American version huh? of a Mexican food. That's probably the problem. That's check, what I'm saying. Check this out. Check this out. Thought exercise. Taco on a hard shell. Uh-huh. Carnitas with onions, with cheese, with jalapenos, uh-huh. a little pico de gallo, uh-huh. a little bit of cilantro, uh-huh. black olives. Wouldn't it be weird? It's so all the weird. same ingredients. It's I, the same food. I just, I just get rid of the <laughs> black so olives, weird. and I'm, I'm in. Like, and I don't have a problem. With, I don't have a problem with the black olives and nachos. But if you think of it that way, you yeah, it's like, just, no. You know, you like the taco. Want them in tacos? No, <laughs> but, no. But I'm saying, like, the, if you think of like the Taco Bell configuration, yeah, like, yes. same yeah. ingredients. But, but if then you, you put black olives well, on that taco. You'd be but like, literally, I'll take it a step farther. The black olives exist on the Mexican pizza, which is just an unfolded crunchy taco. And then you Shit, fold it up and you're go. like, yeah, what are these doing here? I don't understand. I, I don't. It has to be just a Midwest thing. Slow down. We're about to get unplugged from the Matrix. <laughs> we figured it all out. <laughs> we all just vanish. Oh, no. <laughs> Agent Smith shows up. <laughs> all right. So I, lo- I love that. Like a good. Be- okay. So you, w- uh, so you would prefer melted cheese. Uh, well, like, but not like shredded cheese that is melted. Okay. Like, like beer cheese, sauce. like nacho sauce. Okay, so, like, so what would Megan prefer then if she doesn't want the mm, floppy chip? No floppy chip. My wife loves a foldy, like crisp. Like if you get kettle bag of kettle chips and you don't give her the foldy chips. Ooh, ooh. okay. Oh, so, but then the little curly but, guy. But then would she yeah. would she dip it in queso? Yeah. Oh yeah, she would dip it in queso, but but it's gotta still be crunchy. Yeah, she doesn't like, like that cow. soggy. Okay, that those soggy are the best chip. ones. The, the weird, the ones that are completely folded up on themselves. This is an audio medium. Yeah. You I'm can't see that. that I'm flapping my fingers. Well, like the kettle chips that are completely baby folded squid. on themselves. Yeah, yeah. That, oh, oh, that's absolutely. her jam. That's yeah, the best that's, chip. She wants them all. It's the best Every chip. single yeah. one. We just had some Brunson's the other night. Yeah, and she, super uh, crunch. Yeah. Double crunch yeah. kettle chips. Ooh, also, shout out to Brunson's if you're visiting the Twin Cities or you happen to live here. St. Paul, Minnesota. St. Paul. Paul. East Paul, side on St. Paul. Man, the pulled bacon will change your life. Pulled bacon BLT. Friend had it the other night. Pulled bacon. That was my nickname in high school. Sounds like my junior prom. All right. Doctor P Bacon. Uh, what what would your what's your what's your sports bar? Easy to? answer. 
Wangs. 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 Wangs and things. Crispy. I, I, always, I order them dry. Doesn't matter if it's dry rub. I just want the dry wing and then the dippons. Mm. And I do like, you know, people do fun shit, but what I want in a traditional standard of a sports bar, hole in the wall, dive bar, I want nice crispy wings, juicy in the middle, crispy on the outside. They don't got to be super crispy. I don't necessarily need breading. I like a little flour dredge. That's cool. Dry rub. That's cool too. And then give me just buffalo with your Louisiana hot and butter. It doesn't got to be fancy. And then blue cheese. And then what I what ends up happening is I'm dipping in those things so much that it homogenizes and they're basically like two cups of the same thing by the Gross. end. But that's literally the funny part right? is though. That's no, the, you don't that's, like blue cheese? I don't like blue cheese. There you go. That's that's, that's the closest that I will get to fucking with blue cheese is once right. I see like if my wife gets to the point where there's so much buffalo sauce in there that it looks like just a creamy buffalo Ooh, sauce. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll tap, I'll, I'll dip like okay. on the drummy, like the one weird little nub. Mm. I'll dip that one in there. I'm like, all right, I get it. All right, feet all right. Cheese. We call blue cheese feet cheese in my feet house. Cheese, eh? mm. There is a lot feetier cheese than that cheese. And I like that cheese too. But- I love, I just, those flavors with the, I want the wing to be pristine. Mm. You know, like the, your mileage will vary so much with a a wing that's tossed or rolled, you know, like sometimes they refry it or rebake it. And then I do like sometimes when it's adhered, what I don't like is when you take a really nice crispy wing and you end up eliminating the crispiness with all the sauce. Mm -hmm. If, if everyone, you know, the, the, if you do like the Korean wing treatment, which, you know, let's, let's give credit where it's due. That's from black soldiers. That's where that came from. People don't know that, but that's the reason the Koreans like fried wings the way they do is recipes that were imparted to them by black soldiers. Mm -hmm. But like they get that like nice crispy and then they toss it. And then it's like still kind of contains that integrity. I love that it maintains the integrity of the crunch. So I know if I order a wing with sauce on it at an Asian restaurant, I'm almost certainly going to get that integrity intact. But you don't know when you go to a sports bar if you can get that rubbery, like, mm. snap that hits you in the eye. No, thank you. Don't want it. So your safest bet, for me, when I want that crispy, crisp, is I want to order the, the dry wing and then get yeah. the dippings. I will also just say that uh, I saw the Korean wing treatment open for less than Jake in 95, and they were fucking dope. Oh, man, they killed Dude, it. Yeah, they were there. so good. I was just backstage, whatever, you know, no double, big deal. Here's a, I've never seen double kick drum on two mm-hmm. kick drums. Yeah. He had you know four what? pedals going. You know what? I saw them sing when I dropped a 20 at the, the wing shop, and the guy started singing. <laughs> Such a great story. <laughs> I'll tell you another time. And then he took his mask off. He's like, it's Cisco again. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, I'm, all right, so... God, for, I wish I could remember the name of that Korean boy band. I just, <laughs> <laughs> what are they called? I just want to... Drew Hill? No, the Korean boy band. BTS. BTS. Yeah, no, yeah. I just, the one guy from BTS. <laughs> oh, man. Behind the service. Behind the service, yeah. That was, <laughs> that was, that was, that was their, their fully functional Korean wing joint. Fudge. Fudge. <laughs> Korean wings and fudge. Yeah. Uh, obviously, like... Wings and nachos are are both dope. The pretzel is amazing. So I feel like I have to be contrarian and go a different route. Here in the Midwest, we have a thing that I also love that doesn't exist in bars in a lot of other places. Mm. And that is the thin crust, crunchy crust, square cut or party cut, depending on where you live, tavern pizza. Oh, yeah. And that, 
is honestly my favorite thing outside of the two things that you guys listed. There is nothing that I love more than when you go and I, you can have a great kitchen. You can have a beautiful 800 degree brick fire, coal fire oven. But when you got that slim line silver, <laughs> looks like a relic the from drawer. the drawer. I have one in the back kitchen of the You're bar. You damn right you do. Oh, yeah. you come check it out. Mm. When, when you put a frozen pizza in there, basically you open the drawer with a handle and you put the pizza on there. You put it back in there and then you let that, that go. And it's up to the speed and the, should we say, um, mental capacity of the bartender <laughs> to remember how long it's been in there because there ain't no timer on this. There's no automatic off on this. But if you have the right bar and you have the right bartender and that baby comes out and it's half like golden to mahogany brown. Just about to be burnt. Yep, just about to be burnt. Just caramelized at this point. And that pizza cutter goes in there and uses that. And then the whole like Marvel Comics, you can see like, mm-hmm. I don't know what letters those are, but. All consonants. It's basically, it looks yeah. like like a like a Bosnian city. Like just all consonants. And then it comes out to you and there are four little triangle corners. And you get one of those. Because it's going to be too hot. But there's not enough sauce in those little itty bitty corners when you make those those vertical lines. Mm. Oof, you get you that wake in there. up with no roof of your mouth. Right. That's what happens. But that's why you get those little corners because it's it's almost all crust. You know, you, you cool a little it down with copious amounts of hot sauce. Copious amounts of hot sauce, like cooling it down with in the Midwest. Uh, yeah, ranch. good old ranch. Not my style, me but either. I understand me it. Either. Can't do it. Not for me. Copious amounts of hot sauce and copious amounts of crispy boy lagers, and then you just yeah. chug and drink and chug and chug and drink, and then it can share. Cause you don't, you don't want to take that whole thing down because again, then you're weighed down for the whole thing. You're excited about sports. So all of a sudden you got people with you, cool, they can eat. You got a couple of people that are just like looking over cause they're all gonna eye it. When that they're pizza at the it. table, everybody's gonna smell mm-hmm. it. They're gonna be like, mm, I want to think I'm about that. It right now. But we're going, we're going one pizza at a time here. Yeah, oh yeah. So in the interim, if you make eyes with somebody at that next table and you're wearing similar jerseys, you're wearing the same colors, Hey man, give come, you two. Give me two later. Come get a square. Hey, mm. uh, come on over. If you come get order a one now, mine will be cool enough to eat. Mm-hmm. When we're done with this one. Yours will be cool enough to eat, and we'll, we're all still gonna wake up with no roses in our mouths. Correct. No matter what, <laughs> it's gonna look like uh, again. But the floppy chip version of stalactites, <laughs> just hanging down. Oh, oh, like a yeah. like a like a mm. cave on Dagobah is what the inside of my mouth is gonna look like. But that's fine because it's worth it. <laughs> The minute that you take, the, the yeah. minute that you just agree, like there's a portion of my tongue that won't feel feelings for at least three days. Cool. It's a little uh, cannibalistic snack for sober version of yeah, you. Exactly. <laughs> mm, I got a few more bits of protein. <laughs> it's not gross oh, if it's no. already in your mouth, uh, Charles. I th- oh, yeah, I've heard that. I've heard that before. Sounds like my junior. <laughs> 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 oh, I just hit some Shania Twain on that. Let's go, Wait, girls. Hold on. How do we not hit Toasty on this one? Oh, nope. <laughs> you missed. <laughs> nope. We're guessing now because the card's gone. Card's gone. It's fine. We got to find it. We, we let's just find Toasty. Let's find it. Still not that. Toasty. There we go. <laughs> found it. We found Toasty. We found Toasty. Jillian, what is your ideal cook on 
a thin crust or tavern style pizza, like the top, how oh, the I crust. mean, yeah, the way BQ was describing it yeah. is exactly it. Like it's got to be, it's got to have like if you were to roll a penny over the top of it, it would just slide right by because yes. it's yes. just like crisp enough. Mm. Um, if it's Heggie's Pizza, I'm even more down. Yeah. Again, yeah. shout out local Midwest uh, pizza company. Um, but yeah, it's got to be, it's got to be very, cr- very crisp, very, very dark Strip. brown, crispy top and bottom, crispy right? top mm. and bottom. That's what's up. Yeah, I want my, I want my like Heggies, for instance. Again, Minnesota, fucking pioneer, awesome pizza. I want it to be, like, literally a hair away from being scorched. Mm-hmm. I want it to be as close to burnt as possible without actually being burnt. You and know, that, like, the difference in that is like thirty seconds to. Oh, a minute. Yeah. oh I know. Like yeah. you're oh, you're riding the rails. And if you're putting it in someone else's hands, that's the other thing. Mm-hmm. There are certain bars that we frequent here in the Twin Cities. Like a place right by my house, legendary dive bar, Grumpy's. They have that little drawer. And it's like, if you watch them, they never even look at it. And then it just comes out like that. They're like, Eric just knows, you know? He like walks away for five, seven minutes, whatever. Comes back and just pops it out and boom, there it is. And then you're just like, your eyes are bigger than the roof of your mouth. You're like... (laughs) 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 And everybody knows that... Ha is hot breath and who is cold breath because you, you have to do it because everybody has their, their everybody says they do their own thing when they put food in their mouth that's that's like too hot mm-hmm. but it's always the same shit it's yeah. universal language <laughs> yeah. ha, ha, hoo, hoo, you know? ha, ha, mm-hmm. it's like honk shoe like, <laughs> or me, 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 me. <laughs> but it's not about me <laughs> shout out to MJ. Shout out, MJ. Oh, uh, well, let's let's cheers to that. Hey, cheers. Cheers. To bar- Man, God you guys, damn it. why you got to make me hungry on topic number one? Who ordered these things? <laughs> Who ordered these? That topics? is a really fucking good white Negroni, dude. It's got like you know what it tastes like to me. It's got like a it's got like a hint of thyme. Yep. There is there is a savory note in there. I was honestly gonna say I get like um I just burped and I got a little rosemary. Yeah, it's like tastes like zatar or like yep. thyme, yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe oregano. Zatar. Yeah, like 100%. A little, yeah, super dope. All right, Jillian. Charles. What's the most awkward or uncomfortable sleeping situation you've ever had on a trip? Ooh. Oh, this is actually super easy. It's not even fair. And yeah. it involves Mama Joyce, which <laughs> sounds like a strange way to start a story. Um, <laughs> But if you know, but if you know Mama Joyce, like (laughs) there isn't a story that could be too weird for her to just somehow be involved in. I wasn't planning on sharing the podcast with her, but now I feel like I have to. You know, (laughs) she uh, she's not really a podcast person, but I'm going to tell her she's a starring starring cast. Uh, Okay, so back again, studying abroad in England in 2000 something. um, (laughs) And my mom and my stepdad, Bruce, were over visiting me in England. So they came over to visit and we were going to go on this like tour day England because neither of them had been there before. I'd been living there for about four months and two of my very close guy friends uh, that I had met over studying abroad, Brendan and Bobby, we were all going to go on this trip up to Scotland together on the train. And so we were meeting in London. I was with my mom and Bruce. We had come from, we had gone to Wales. We had come from London. We were going to meet and transfer all my stuff into Brendan and Bobby's possession, and we were going to go up to, to Scotland together. Well, in England, at least in the early 2000s, uh, you weren't charged by room. You were charged by people. Mm-hmm. Okay. Number of people staying in a room. Um, and, and we only wanted to get one room, 
and we only wanted, we didn't want to have to pay for all five of us. And so we got this, this Airbnb, it wasn't called an Airbnb at the time, but essentially what it was. Uh, and they said, we have one room. And they said, great, we only have two people. So it was my mom and Bruce. So they were like, oh, great, we have a perfect room for you. So we meet, meet my friend Bobby and Brendan and I go meet mom and Bruce at this hotel. And they, I shit you not, have a double bed in a room that fits a double bed and about two feet on both sides of the bed. And so now we have five adults staying in one room <laughs> that had a double bed and not even enough room around the outsides of the bed for humans to lay. You know, we're Americans. We're thinking like, there's going to be a pullout couch. There's going to be a, uh, you know, a kitchen that we could throw an air mattress or on or something. Yeah. And I, when I tell you that we literally put one of each of us on both sides of the bed and one of us at the foot of the bed, mom and Bruce in the bed, and like in the middle of the night, Bruce had to go to the bathroom, and I was like, dude, like there's people on the ground. It was horrible. It was horrible. But we, uh, my friend Brendan, <laughs> yeah. my friend Brendan actually just got married uh, a year ago over in Ireland, believe it or not. Uh, my wife and I went over there, and we were back in Ireland for the wedding, and we laughed about that story for about 20 minutes. And so it was incredibly awkward in the moment, but uh, but quite, quite memorable. Were Something you a lot more careful about your accommodations this time? You were um, like, oh, hang gosh, on. yeah. Hang on. <laughs> Let's just say I was not going to go sleep in like a tiny ass room with my wife on uh, on a wedding trip so no yeah. we didn't do that but what about you charles what's your awkward sleeping moment well, let's kick it to quam oh <laughs> well, I, get a, I, get a, I get a daily double this uh, because i had an answer for this and okay. then i was reminded of this story yesterday <laughs> okay uh so uh, i i was fortunate enough to live with uh a former boss of mine uh my friend dave we met when he hired me and then uh, about a month into me working at this nightclub, early 2000s, we're both in our early 20s. Um, he it, The whole thing was he had moved up here and then his uh, girlfriend was going to move up here when she uh, finished out like her putting in her uh, two weeks at her job. And apparently somewhere in that, she decided that she didn't want to move to Minnesota and she was breaking up with him. And... That's stress. I had literally, I had literally met this guy like four weeks previous, and he's telling me this story, and he's completely heartbroken. And he's like, "So I got to drive down to St. Louis in a moving truck and like pack up all my shit and drive it up. I don't know how to do it on my own." And I was like, "Well, whatever. Like, you know you what? Put it in the box, and then you fold the top. <laughs> you get some tape. Oh no, okay. I'm a, <clears throat> I am a human that believes in the." Uh, the Spider-Man ask with great size comes great responsibility. <laughs> I feel like it's my job to help people move if I have the ability because I can move furniture on my own as a human giant. I'm going to remember this, yeah. Uno momento. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and uh, so, again, like we had worked together at this point for four weeks. We had only worked. Like we hadn't really spent any time. Yeah. So we get in this moving truck and the whole way down, we're just like talking and you know, whatever. And... Uh, we get into town and it turns out that uh, she did not even want to be a part of the process. So his now ex-girlfriend is just not there. And Dave had rented an apartment or a hotel room so that like we could pack up, go to the apartment or go to the hotel crash and then get on the road the next morning. Somehow in all of this, he had never changed it from a single bed to two beds. So this human being who I have now watched like, openly weep while moving furniture who I have known for basically the extent of the car ride 
and a few interactions at work. Yeah. We literally like open the hotel door and there's just a single queen bed. And then we go back down and they're like, we're completely booked. There's no nothing gods. we can do. Because it's usually the other room rolling cat. Right. And honestly, like, I'm just like, whatever. Like, if this makes you feel better, like, you sleep under the sheet, I'll sleep over the sheet, and we'll figure Dudes it out. are so weird. So weird. <laughs> and, but at this time, I'm also, like, I'm a pretty open person. <laughs> like, you know, so I just thought it was funny. Yeah. So, like, you know, I go over the sheet. Also, for the record, he just, he barely knew the guy. So yeah. I think it's. Whatever. Because I've, I've slept in a bed with a lot of friends, my brother, a million times. But I think that's the added element. It's that's, like, that's it. I don't really know this dude. So I I immediately, like, I go over the sheet, but then I just, like, snuggled in. Because <laughs> I'm like, well, whatever. This is already weird. And he's like, dude, can you, can you fucking not? And then it kind of, like, occurred to me, like, this guy's also going through, like, a bunch of trauma right now. So maybe, like, me fucking with him isn't, the like. The big bear hug, not really. Yeah, not, not really, like, yeah. what's needed, yeah. just in general. Uh, so th- th- literally that story was just brought to my attention. I hadn't thought about that in a very long time, but my, my all time favorite, most awkward sleeping story, by the way, I meant stranger danger, not like I'm yeah. in a bed with a guy. Yeah. No, <laughs> like stranger danger. Like who is like, this literally, person? <laughs> we had not, if you added up all the time that we had talked, it had not been 24 hours. Yeah, yeah. Like, this was, was not a homophobic comment. <laughs> yeah. That's for the record. For the record. So I'm like, I don't know what he might do to me, but like, <laughs> the, the, the best this is a stranger. The, when you, when you wrote this question, Charles, yeah. the first thing that popped into my brain yeah. was, we used to brag about our band in college, Stealing June, which was the precursor to Friends Like These, which is the precursor to Communist Daughter, which I am very proud to have tangentially been a part of. Uh, they are still incredible. And if you, when you're done with this episode, please go listen to some Communist Daughter. John Solomon is an incredible songwriter, and they make great music. John and I and so, uh, our other singer. Big day. I, I hit the button for it. <laughs> you did. Um John and I and our other guitar player and singer, JJ Towner, quote unquote, went on an international tour, AKA went to Canada to play a a show in Winnipeg. And uh, we were at said bar, we played said show, then we went out afterwards. And I ran into, as I am wont to do, another friend of mine at a random bar in Winnipeg, Canada. And Mm -hmm. we got a little crazy and our room was a $14 a night room with a window brick shut at a very shitty, we're going to put hostile in hard quotes there. <laughs> Damn, you guys went hard. And uh, Jeremy was like, dude, we got a huge hotel room. Like, let's just keep going. <laughs> like, those two want to bounce. I'm like, cool, fuck off, let's go. And Jeremy kept saying that we were going to a strip club. What we ended up going to was a strip club, and it was an all-male review. Hell uh, yeah. And... That's oh wow! For me. That was the first. That was the first time that I, I realized that I am not for every gay man, but a very small sect of gay men really love me. Bear, absolutely, <laughs> and even back then, full on bear. And I was young too, so we're just at the bar, hammering drinks, having a good time. And then I realized, like, I don't actually know where the hotel that I'm staying at with oh, my shit. band is. So I'm like. Jeremy, I got to stay with you guys. And he has a whole mm. trove of people. Yeah. So we all go back. And again, he just kept telling me how huge this hotel room is. We get back and it's <laughs> it's just two queen beds. Normal hotel. Okay. There are nine people. Oof. 
And so, mm, you know, there's yeah. there's some fun snuggling situations going on, and there's some like I don't know you, I don't know you, but you're cute, you're cute. And Sardines, literally, you got yeah, roll, like roll, yep. we get to that point, <laughs> and uh, again at this point, as we've titled up episode before, I am a thrice broken noser. At that time, I was a twice broken noser, mm. and when when things had settled down uh i started snoring and whistling like a tea kettle the woman next to me was like Mm-mm, no snoring and i was like okay i guess i'll just i'll find somewhere else to sleep flip and the, the switch you know the only place that i could find was directly underneath the sink in the bathroom oh my gosh and i'm like okay cool the linoleum is cold there's nobody in here i can just like shut the door and we're good to go and then somewhere in the middle of the night uh somebody had to go in and use the restroom oh, no. uh and let's just say it wasn't a number one and uh <laughs> i heard the start of said and i thought oh my god i gotta get out of here and i sat up super fast and i went face first into the u-joint and then knocked myself back out was charles ringing there <laughs> yes. oh solid callback the only thing Pumped that was that the, right the only ring involved was in my ears from hitting my forehead on the U-joint <laughs> as hard as I did and then going back out and then coming to and seeing another friend of mine like fanning me and like, bro, are you okay? And uh, didn't realize like they were worried like I actually like killed myself. Yeah, you were actually unconscious. Also, yeah. you had alcohol in your system and knocked yourself out. That's Correct. good. So uh, then I had to like sort of limp my way out with the biggest knot in my forehead and then fall asleep basically in the closet, like just curled up, which, you know, again, for those of you that have never seen me, I am, uh, depending on where you're from, six foot five or over two meters tall, uh, curled up inside like the coat closet in a hotel room. And that was where I finished my sleep. And then with said wound on my head and a screaming headache from both trauma and uh, hangoverness, uh, we literally had to drive up and down the streets of Winnipeg until I could find the shithole hostel that uh, that Stealing June was staying in. So that is one that I uh, that I forever remember. Uh, Jeremy, the the human being that I was with that night, I believe still lives in Costa Rica. And every now and then we chicken on each other, and that story will come up every now and then. Awkward sleeping stories seem to continue to come mm. up in conversation. <laughs> As you do. Yeah, you were uh, you were trying to evolve to the next Pokemon stage. I, I was Uniquam. Yep, and it did not work out well. Nope, didn't work out. Yeah, so the the friend that I brought up earlier, who is friends with Cisco, is friends with Cisco's wife. Is my friend Chris's ex wife. Mm. My friend Chris and I. The early days of Airbnb went to the Great Taste of the Midwest in Madison, Wisconsin. Best beer festival in the United States. Facts. And we decided, let's uh, let's get an Airbnb. This newfangled thing sounds fun. We're going to rent this apartment. Chris made the rental. Not me. Chris made the rental. Not me. And it was one of those units that was shared, which I didn't even know was an option. Oh, yeah. Shared unit in Airbnb. It was an apartment. This is a university city. Oh, God. That had <laughs> six other people living in it in two other bedrooms. And the bedroom we were staying in was apparently the spare room where we were in one of their rooms. And 
You were for sure in one of their rooms. Yeah, just absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Right. Also, of course. what a brilliant right. idea for a couple of college kids. To make like, some bucks. Let's right, make, make some bucks. $400. I'm sleeping in your room tonight. I'm having a couple of weirdos were, stay in my bed. They were, they were fucking awesome. They were really nice. They were super kind. They were offering us beers and stuff. You're here for the beer thing? Have a beer. But I was also super confused. I was like, fuck, we're sharing this place with not just two of us, but six of them. That's eight people, one shitter, one fridge, one door. And we also had the tiniest bed. I don't even know what you'd qualify the bed as. There was like up against a corner of a room. And that I've slept in a bed with Chris before. They usually been, they've been larger beds than that. It's definitely the smallest bed we've ever slept in. We're drinking a lot. Did I mention it was a beer festival week? So we had, it was just like, you come back, you go right back to the room, tiny bed, no other space in the room. And you would just like curl up on this tiny bed with your buddy. You're both hammered, go to sleep. After the second night, we were like, we have to get, in the morning, we have to just go get another room because we were there for like four days. This is just super uncomfortable. And I remember, this is the best part. It actually makes it seem like it wasn't that bad. We woke up in the middle of the night. This was in the morning. This is the middle of the night. It was like 3.30 a.m. Someone knocking on the door. And we'd been drinking a lot. We managed to wake up. We were like, what the fuck? We opened the door and one of the guys who lives there had a big sheet tray he said, hey, you guys want some fried chicken? <laughs> He'd been cooking fried chicken in the middle of the night. I'm here like, for this. I was like, what? Like, what's going on? And he was like, I made some fried chicken. Do you want some? That's how you know they're just like kids. They're up at 3.30 a.m. making fried chicken. So, yes, I did have a piece of fried chicken. But <laughs> of course. We, we left the next day. It was just. You're not going to not have fried chicken. Yeah, the worst part of the experience was definitely like not realizing that that's an option on Airbnb. Oh, yeah. And suddenly realizing we booked four evenings on the tiniest mattress I've ever seen. Share with some bros, some college bros. Yeah, and I'm like, dude, I want to use the bathroom without a line. <laughs> I'm an adult. <laughs> oh, that's fucking... The, the fried chicken thing, uh, quick, quick side story, <laughs> reminds me of when I, uh, when I was running nightclubs. We had a really nice apartment, and we would have some of the bands that were in town stay with us. And... Uh, we had this guy who really, really, really loved cocaine. And he was like, he was, it was like he was sponsored by cocaine. He's like, are you sure you guys don't want any more cocaine? I'm like, no, we're, we're going to bed. And I kept hearing these noises. And finally I was like, God damn it. Like, normally I play the game of like, what could that be? Like, oh, you're just moving some shit around. And eventually I heard noises. I'm like, that's not coming from something that's in our apartment. What the fuck? And I opened my door and this dude had gone, so we lived on the 20th floor of an apartment building, and this dude had gone downstairs and had taken two chairs out of the lobby and brought them up on the elevator and, like, set them up. And then he went downstairs again, and he took, back when newspapers had, like, the, the machine that you would put quarters in, you could pull the door open and oh, grab yeah. a newspaper. He grabbed the entire newspaper machine, pulled it into the, the uh, elevator, brought that up, and had that sitting there. And then had gone to a 24-hour grocery store by us and was prepping omelets for like 10 people. <laughs> Mind you, there's like five people in this apartment. And I come out and I'm like, what the fuck? And he's like, hey, bro, I just want to make sure like you had everything you wanted, man. You want breakfast? We got an omelet station. You want to read the paper? We got that. You want coffee? I got you. Uh, and then like, here's just some more chairs. And I was like, I, <laughs> I don't have the bandwidth to like do anything about this right now. I'm just going to go back to bed and I'm going to pretend I didn't just see this and I'm going to deal with this when I wake up. 
So I had to go back down to the lobby one by one with each piece and like apologize to them (laughs) and then wheel the fucking paper machine back out. And thankfully, again, because always take care of the people that work in your building, because anytime we had a huge feast, we'd always bring a plate to our security team. They were like, we got you, but like, fuck that guy. I'm like, yep, he won't stay here again. Sorry about it. (laughs) Well, I I thought that was going a different way. I thought that the the sheet pan was going to be like whipped cream that was going yeah. in your face. So or just like a tray of shots. I got Jagermeister. at 3.30 in the morning. <laughs> Rumple mints. Yeah, there we go. Oh, oh. Cheers. Still got a pre-coil from hearing Rumple mints. <laughs> Cheers to middle of the night fried chicken. Yes, ma'am. I mean, that's all the time. Uh, Jillian, did you have a New Year's resolution? Oh. Or is there something that you are attempting to attain this year? Oh, gosh. New Year's resolutions. I used to be one of those people. Me too. Um, bless them. No no shame to those folks. Um, this is going to sound super corny, um, but being the good liberal arts graduate that I am, shout out to Gus Davis. Well-rounded human. Adolphus College. Um, Go Gusties. Go Gussies. Um, I'm like this nerd about I'm in my best place when I'm always learning um, and like learning new things. And uh, this happens to be a year that I'm going to be learning a lot. Uh, one of the things I keep saying about the bar is one of my, I think one of my biggest strengths is that I know what I don't know and I'm not afraid to say what I don't know. Yep. Um, and so I know a decent amount about like the bar industry and about beer and about cocktails. Um, I know nothing about cooking. Um, I've never been like a chef in a restaurant before. I've been in Expo, which at Applebee's back in the day meant you put the little piece of kale and the lemon slice uh, <laughs> on top of the plate before you sent it out with the server. Uh, but that's the closest I've come to a kitchen. So my goal this year, it's not a resolution because I think that's weird. To yep. me, it's like lifelong learning, what I want to be doing this year. Um, and I happen to be opening a sports bar, which food is going to be a part of yeah. so i'm i'm just hoping to learn more about and i know i will because i'll be forced to um uh, the, the kitchen process and cooking in restaurants um excited to kind of get behind the scenes on it uh many people that knew and loved tracy's uh would be shocked to know the size of the kitchen inside yeah. of tracy's restaurant um they she had a big Oh gosh, our realtor called it a nut to butt kitchen. Do that <laughs> do that visual for you. Um so uh so I'm really looking forward to like seeing how that comes together, getting ready to hire some kick-ass folks to to help run the kitchen and uh and get that rock in. But um just I know there's so much that I can learn about commercial kitchens yes. and cooking and you know, all that jazz. So yeah. that's that's probably my most exciting thing I'm going to continue to learn about this year. Nope. The funny part is that's just going to stick with you. It's really weird. Like that's one of the weird chunks of knowledge where like cooking times and all that. I, I still don't know like what, when my credit cards are due, thanks to auto pay, I can just like let that go. But I still know like when chicken wings are done cooking. Yeah. Like it's so strange, yeah. The way that you'll just start to like internalize all of that. My only, my only equivalent is I worked at Taco John's back in the day in Upper North Mankato, and uh, Hold on. For, for our listeners that don't oh, know yeah, Taco sorry. John's, Taco John's is uh, the better Taco Bell from, from <laughs> I think originally from Wyoming. It is uh, across through the Midwest is a uh, a different version of Taco Bell. Better, better. To some. Best uh, taco place, yeah. But we'll straight up say 
they're the inventors of the potato LA's, which make them champion above all. And that's what I was going to say is my only experience with cooking is knowing how to make a mean ass potato LA. Damn right. Because they have to be perfect. Oh, God. Don't burn those things. Salty nuggets. Mm, that seasoned little bit of joy. Mm. Plus, they came with actual hot sauce on the tacos, which Taco Bell never has done. Fuck them. Anyway, uh, all right, Charles, what is your 2024? Yeah, I don't, I, I mean, I, I no, no disrespect to anybody that subsists by, like, setting resolutions. I know it's like a, you know, you're you're creating kind of a new idea of the person that you want to be. It's a good time to do it. I think the worst thing about resolutions is just people kind of let them go by the wayside. It's Marnie was talking to me yesterday about how there's like this whole movement and I've seen it too on social media of people saying like, you know what? It's January rest. It's okay. Like just take Ugh, some time off. If you want to like, you want to build a new you do it in the spring. Oh. Cool. I actually kind of quite like that. Everything that I do just being like, business motivated and also, you know, have a lot of personal aspirations. The beginning of every year, because it's like a new fiscal year, I'm creating what I just call my manifest. It's literally a manifest in both meanings of the term where I'm like keeping my eye toward my goals and also like creating a document that contains what my goals are for the year. Honestly, I'm not going to even like pick any specific minutia like, you know, I work with Club Caraway. We're trying to like grow this business, make it much bigger this year, things like that. I'm just trying to do everything like bigger, faster, stronger. And that means personal goals and professional goals. I I like to delineate between the two. I recommend that for everybody. I use a system in my life called the Unbroken Chain where every day I do something for my personal growth that has nothing to do with my professional pursuits. So I have like, two equal lanes one way going the same direction where I want to continue to explore and travel and try new things and um, have new experiences and meet people and you know make new friends and try you know taste things I've never tasted let's get let's get the pulled bacon joke out of the way <laughs> do you think anything no I'll pull that bacon <laughs> and then, you know the uh the Cisco on horseback and <laughs> all, all I can picture what is, did we decide that on, was? Like, all I can picture is him like rearing up and instead of just be like, whoa, just be like, whoa. And the horse be like, all right, enough. Okay. All right, buddy. Silver mane. Plenty. It's plenty. <laughs> yeah, of course. And then just, you know, professional pursuits and nobody wants to hear about all that shit, but I have a lot of things going on and I'm, I just want to maintain focus and just build everything up. But not have one come at the expense of the other in either direction. I want to keep building and growing professional pursuits and building and growing as a human being. That's really it. I know it's fairly nebulous, but that's that's what I consider to be my goal for this year. And I want every year to be more growth in both those areas. I think that's absolutely legit. Like, you should always want... Like, there's... The best part is that it's a marathon. Like, there's no finite, not even a marathon. It's just a constant journey. You know, like, yeah. I, that kind of leads into mine. <clears throat> um, I have a new therapist, and I'm doing it in person again. I, I oh, did really? I did okay. a year with BetterHelp. Cool. And uh, I honestly will say, I, my experience with BetterHelp was pretty rad. Um, I 
Not sponsored. They're not sponsored. not That's sponsored. That's why That's I'm fucking done. No, like <laughs> I, I don't. I've talked about it a little bit on the show before. I, I don't. Um, I have a tendency, uh, Jillian. We've been friends for a long time. I feel like you might understand this. I have a tendency to try and win people over, mm-hmm. and uh, I. I I successfully did that with a number of therapists and that's mm-hmm. not good for therapy. And uh it made me mad at the therapist which is super unfair. Uh and it made me mad at myself which is also super unfair. And uh better help kind of helped me reset that because there's no there's no winning over. I wouldn't even do the the Zoom. I was just doing text. And that allowed me to kind of talk about some things without being able to dress it up nicely or, mm-hmm. you know, be charming in any way. And I think it kind of helped me come to terms with like, okay, I know where I would want to flower this up and I'm just not going to. And uh, so right before the end of the year, um, I started uh, in-person therapy again and I'm trying really hard to just talk about what what's what's coming and i'm not great at it like i'm i'm really good at talking about like what's going on with me mm-hmm. but there's there's always a full thing around it you know mm-hmm. and um it's 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 also fascinating uh this is the first time at least as far as i know i don't know how old my um my better help therapist was but um, this is the first time that I've had an in-person therapist that is considerably younger than me. Mm, yeah. And um, I'm also trying to take her different vantage point on things. Right. Because she's looking at things from a completely different world. And the words that she came through school with and the tools that she knew mm-hmm. just in the 10 years difference in our age mm-hmm. um, is, is a huge change. And I am... I'm just trying to be, I'm trying to be a better patient. If the, I don't know, like, does that, I don't know how to say that yeah, any better. No, that's real. That's real. I'm just trying to, it's not even like I'm trying to be more authentic because I think I've always been me. I'm just trying to take the win you over aspect out of it. Did you tell her uh, yes. that that's your, that's 100%. your modus operandi? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, second meeting that we had together. Yeah. Like, don't let me do this to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And like, because that's such a thing. Mm-hmm. Gosh, in my therapy, I I, mean, I know exactly what you're talking about. Well, getting to that point, where you're like, I could say anything, and I know exactly what they're going to respond to me with. Legitimately, I win. In our in our last <laughs> session, I was like, ah, mm, that's it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And she's like, no, that was funny. I'm like, yeah. But see, that's I'm. And, and we I'm, both tend to be charming individuals, mm-hmm. yep. and so we know how to we know how to do that. We know how to placate to that. You know, that's that's real, man. Oof. And it's. I, I think my devotion to that, and this could be psychosomatic, but I think my devotion to that is starting to translate out into regular life where I'm trying to also do that a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Like for a living, my job is to win people over. Mm-hmm, right. So I like a, I have to do that. So it's also a little bit, it's a weird, it's a weird line for me to walk. Right. But if I could pull some aspects of that, into my personal life and into my relationships with my friends. But if I can also pull some of that into my work life mm-hmm. where maybe I, I don't put flowers around it. Maybe I do just mm-hmm. a little bit more assertively say, this is actually not okay. Or this is something that I think we should do. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that'll make me more effective. It's, mm-hmm. 
it's not an, an easy fit. There's a ton of other things that I'm like, Hey, for 2024, I want to do blah, blah, blah. But I've kind of been pretty good at like getting those things done. I've, I've since COVID, I've seen a ton of, I've gotten to more concerts than I've been mm-hmm. to. That was a goal. And I'm happy that I did that. But <clears throat> I think at this point, I just want to try and figure out a way to be a better me. It's not any less or more mm-hmm. real, but just like a, a, a better me. Mm-hmm. And I want to try and learn from more people around me how to be a better me. Mm-hmm. And I think it starts with what I'm learning with this, this new therapist. And then I'm hoping that that translates out into greater life. A lot of listening. Yeah. Listening to them, listening to myself, mm-hmm. just listening. It's just better. Yeah. I don't know. That's awesome. Good on you, man. Hell yeah for therapy. Exactly. And one more Hell time. Hell yeah for therapy. Hell yeah for therapy. <laughs> yeah. So cheers. Hell yeah for therapy. There was another bottle opened. Are we, are we, would you uh, like, would you? Wait, no, no, I was just. Um, it's, I, a, it's the same thing. We're, I, no, I know. I'm just laughing that we're now. Is this halfway? Are we halfway? And you guys said to open a second we are. bottle? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so timed perfect, the sound was, too. I was, wish it was on mic. Oh, I wish it was on yeah. mic. It was a beautiful little popping we noise were, over here. I even looked at you like, what? I know. I like, kind of give This is an audio medium, but. Oh, we got a little one. Yeah, I think it was for some reason when it was full. The yeah, it just really. It really it came out of there. <laughs> Please don't. Right. Shaking. <laughs> uh, <laughs> not the same, but close. Womp, close. Womp. All right, let's talk about milestone celebration. Wait, we're getting, did we cheers? We're cheersing. We're cheersing. We're cheersing. Ben's cheersing. refilling his glass. Yeah, yeah. Cheers. Cheers. I also want to point out I'm now drinking. Um, I moved on from the Great Ben Paddle, and I want to give my flowers to Urban Growler. Can you give just a little background on that for our listeners? Yes. Jill and Deb, the most wonderful human beings so rad. in the history of the world. Uh, the first women-owned microbrewery in the state of Minnesota also happened to be a beautiful, wonderful queer couple. Uh, so they will also be prominently featured at a bar of their own. They are, um, literally when I first decided I wanted to open a bar, the first people I talked to were Matt and Jeannie Kennevin of Beer Dabbler, and the second people I called were Jill and Deb of Urban Growler, and they have been unbelievable supporters with their information and sharing, and the very first thing they told me, not going to lie to you, was to get high-capacity flush toilets. Yes, (laughs) ma'am. 100%. As my wife said, I will not go to a place because of the bathrooms, but I will not go to a place because of the bathrooms. 100%. High capacity flush toilets coming to a bar of their own soon. Oh, yeah. Also, what is what is the name of that? Oh, sour? yeah. Sorry. I got so excited talking about Jill and Deb. I forgot to talk about the beer. Uh, this is their Sour Puss Sour Ale Cranberry with a hint of lime. Hi-yo. Quite delicious. Lovely. So. Lovely. Lovely. Now you can get to the next question. Sorry, well, I just needed to get Well, it's actually quite the perfect segue. Let's talk about milestone celebrations. You're about to have a very big one, obviously. What do you use to raise a toast to huge accomplishments in life? Or perhaps select something that you would raise to toast your next big accomplishment. Ooh. Whatever comes to mind Golly. right now. Yeah. This is when uh, when Ben first asked me to be in this podcast, I said, I want you to know I know nothing about uh, cocktails, fancy cocktails. And he said, you don't need to know anything about fancy cocktails. I did. Um, so here's my like real talk 101 with Jillian is uh, I'm a proud member of the 
XOBC Wine Club. For Ooh. those of you that don't know what that is, it is Brandy Carlisle, queer icon. Uh, owns a winery out in Washington. <laughs> feels like like I feel like I should just pull into my Subaru and pull away with my Carhartt hat on. <laughs> I mean, just so you know, I also parked right next to you in my Subaru. Yeah. And yeah. I don't mind if we want to put on, if we want to look at each other and go like three, two, And turn one. some brandy and on just at the same hit, time. like you and me on the rock at the yes. same exact time. So yeah, so Brandy Carlisle, XOBC is the wine company. They have this wonderful rosé that is called Proud Rosé that they always make. Well, it's year-round, but they really celebrate it during Pride Month. Um, and that has been my go-to. I ordered in like two cases of it at the end of the calendar year and just bring it wherever I go. So when we hit uh, $200,000 on our crowdfunding campaign for our bar, uh, we popped a bottle of Proud. Which, uh, hold on. That's awesome. Just that's say that huge. one more time because that's <laughs> fucking amazing. Huge. And honestly, like, as, as a fan of you and a fan of what you're doing, watching that go and seeing it all from, like, small donations from the community oh, yeah, it's nuts. is amazing. So one more time. Just say that again. Yes. Yeah, so when raised, we hit. We raised $205,000. Yeah. In, in like, seven weeks or eight weeks, something silly like that. And, yeah, to, to Ben's point, I think the coolest part for me um, – is that our largest, like our most common donation was $25. So we're not talking like I had massive investors. We intentionally did not take on any large equity and bearing investors because, again, we wanted this to be a community space uh, and have a place that everybody felt like they could own a part of it. And so yeah. for we had donations as small as 75 cents. My dad was the first uh, investor with the three quarters he had in his pocket. Uh, all the way up to, you know, we, we did have some $10,000 donors, but certainly the the exception. Um, but, yeah, so we we – Raised a shitload of money. That's wonderful. And yeah, it was really exciting. So, 40 different states and five different countries. For your Australian listeners, we had two donors from Australia. Awesome. Shout yeah. out to the homies in Australia. Yes. That's so, yeah, I love that. That's, you know, like the, not just the community coming together, but like, Literally. The fucking world coming Over together. a thousand people donated. Super cool. So, yeah. So anyway, we bought, we popped a bottle of Proud Bubbly, uh, and I always have a bottle of Proud Bubbly ready to bring to any celebration and large milestone. Like the release of this podcast, we'll have to pop a bottle. <laughs> I love it. When you hey. said you have a big milestone coming up, I was like, you mean the release of this episode on Thursday? <laughs> yes, ma'am. Oh, no, the bar. Sorry. Yeah, that too. Yeah, we're we're such a big deal. <laughs> so big. So big. <laughs> That's uh I think honestly, I think it was our love of brandy was one of the first things that Ugh, we bonded over. Literally the best. Like I I remember the first time. I th there's a question that we've asked on the show a number of times is if you could go back in time and hear a song for the first time and uh one of like every single time that question gets asked, I think of a different answer, but one of my answers would absolutely be the first time I heard her voice. Yeah. Because, yeah. like, it's still beautiful. It's yeah. still wonderful. It's still amazing. Yeah. But I would love to sit and get to re-experience, like, the chills up both of my arms yeah. the first time I heard her really open up. Yeah. And, my best friend actually go. texted me today. A year ago today, we were down in Mexico at Girls Just Want a Weekend, which is... Brandy's oh. all women headline music great name festival for in a fest. Mexico. Yes. Uh, and it oh, was, I think I know people who went Oh, that. it's insane. Yeah, it's, okay. like, it's, it's like it's like Lilith like Fair uh, in Mexico, basically. Dope. We're in Mexico. Yeah. 
Uh, last year it was in Playa, uh, Playa La Carmen. I think is it always in Mexico? I think, I think that's where it is this year too. Yeah. So okay. it's last year was four. This is to, it. Actually, it's starting next week. I think. Really? Um, I'm not going this year. Uh, but that last year we went, and it was my best friend's what first you, time. Busy or yeah, I'm, do, I'm doing. I got a little thing going on. <laughs> got a podcast episode airing. Uh, <laughs> got to do some podcast promos. Thank you very much. Uh, but it was my best friend's first time seeing Brandy Carlisle live, Woo. and I was literally like, I cannot believe the first. First time you are hearing her is in fucking Mexico on an ocean side like stage in this environment. Like I was like so jealous that like that was her first experience. Um, and to your point, Ben, like the first time I heard her was, you know, in 1999 at the coffee hag in Mankato. Holy so, crap. you know, I mean, it's like, uh, you know, I, I should have known I was a lesbian a long time ago. <laughs> um, but but yeah, so you know I I I, I hear that yeah, but, you know Brandy Carlisle. If you don't know her, mm. lesbian icon. Ninety nine in Mankato. Also, I definitely said holy crap like a Minnesotan right there. Holy crap! Holy crap! Oh jeez! <laughs> oh jeez! <laughs> I'm sad that I was in Mankato in ninety nine and I didn't hear yeah. Brandy Carlisle. I heard a lot of uh, douchebags uh, playing new metal at the haze oh the haze that was that was what i owned heard. by one of my high school classmates oh i used to hang oh. out at all those bars in 2000 through like 2002 yeah yeah, yeah. and now i've been to over 30 brandy carlisle concerts and Damn, i'm yeah. at four Woo. yeah yeah i mean people think Russian. that's nuts There's not at all brandy carlisle's like fan group is called the bramley <laughs> and uh okay like all my my wife when she first met me and my best friend all those like you are the craziest Brandy Carlisle fan I've ever met and I'm like no, no. you don't know anything <laughs> oh yeah and then they yeah. went to Mexico with me last year and they're like oh my gosh we get it now yeah. like there are people that discovered Brandy Carlisle like three years ago and have been to like seventy shows yeah. 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 <laughs> like it's insane yeah but- I've I've been to a similar number of tool shows mm-hmm. but it. You know, it doesn't mean that I purport to know what Mater James Keenan's shoes smell like. Yeah. You know, they're people. They're people. Sure are. There are people. I will invite Brandy <laughs> to the opening of the bar, though. Just That's for fun. Let's go. Do it. Just for I, fun. Well, there's, there's nothing bad that could happen. Like, right? Literally. I have, I, as we've talked about recently, I, I, am, I am on my way to track down a personal experience with the only human left of my heroes that I haven't met. Mm. And it's going to happen. Yeah. But, like, again, it's... Like I've seen, there's three bands that I've seen over 10 times and they're bands that I just, I, I love. And mm-hmm. it's not, it's not about a session. Mm-hmm. It's just you, it brings a different level mm-hmm. of happiness to me and I want to keep experiencing that happiness. And every time I go local, obviously. Yeah. 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 Local. I mean, that's a whole different. Yeah, yeah, for sure. They count. Shout out to Quiet Drive. They count. Minnesota bands count. Plum. <laughs> oh, I know. Okay. It, it did. It was a little different when I used to book the band every Wednesday at my bar. Self-hating, you know. He's like, fuck Minnesota. We need listeners from elsewhere. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I don't count. Minnesota bands, fuck them. No, fuck also them. in Minnesota, we don't support anybody until they go somewhere else and get famous. And then we all love them. Then we're like, oh, they were ours. They were ours. I Lizzo. heard them. Lizzo. I heard Lizzo them. Lizzo from Minneapolis. No, she's yeah. not. I saw her no, at Pizza Luce. I was like a mile away, but, you know, whatever. No big deal. Uh, Jillian, actually, like, you should you should invite her, like, formally. Mm-hmm. Uh, Falling Knife Brewing Company is one of my oh, yeah. former clients. I worked with them for years. We had, so I, I coined and designed a beer for them called Old Painless, just named after 
the fucking dope ass gun that Jesse, Jesse Ventura, Ventura uses. Who didn't have time to bleed, but he had time to shoot that fucking Gatling gun. Up. But we made this, like, I designed this, like, letter that we wrote to him about the secret mission that he had to come to Falling Night Brewing Company help dispatch the predator when we released the beer and screened predator at falling knife and <laughs> we had this whole this whole vibe that we were that he was gonna show up we're like he'll show up come on we're gonna open the door we're gonna do a countdown he's gonna walk through the door yeah of course he's not gonna fucking show up he did not show up but it was like we had our own sort of oh. running gag. i totally thought you were gonna say he showed up no we had <laughs> we had this running gag that we were like we wrote this letter it was like I made, I like designed this letter. It was like blood spattered and handwritten, inviting him. Your mission is to be a falling knife at eleven. You know, like we did this whole thing, and then we were like standing by the door, like four, three, and it was like that's the point where it's not funny anymore. He's like, yeah, okay, he's not here. Let's play the movie. <laughs> I will say, friends of mine years ago threw a Dick and Rico party. Uh, for for anyone listening outside of the okay, Midwest, there is a there oh, is yeah. a so and many every references. every city every town has like the second like this. Well, it was second win sports stuff, but like the guy that resells stuff, and they always have like the really terrible underproduced commercials where the guy is the face of it's it. Super local and now also super dated because yeah. he's been gone for. I was like, yeah. is he alive? I, who knows? <laughs> he's gone in some way. I don't know which. Who, who knows? But everyone, everyone has that. They have like, it's like, it's always like a mattress shop or like a weird furniture place or whatever. They (laughs) do their own commercials. They always have some weird jingle. (laughs) This dude always wore black pants, red shirt and had the worst mustache and like curly hair. And he looked like he sold you something. Yeah. Yeah, You know, like, I I don't know why, but he sells something. Or maybe just used everything. (laughs) A little bit. Like, like if you squeezed him down a little bit. put glasses on him? Yeah. Can like you take a Rico off glasses? But maybe he just, oh my God. Maybe that's the Super Saiyan. Maybe maybe he, the Pokemon of Dick and Rico evolved <laughs> yeah. into Mike Lindell. Into, oh, oh. Devolved. Devolved. But two of my friends <laughs> threw, threw a Dick and Rico party and they invited him. And dude straight up showed up. He pulled up in a limo, came in for 45 minutes, had a drink, took a picture with everybody, walked back out, got in his limo, and took off. And to this day, Legend. we were all in our 20s. To this day, that is still a thing that everyone talks about. Thank you, Richard Enrico. Right? When he was in the limo, he was Richard he was, Enrico. Yeah. Before he showed up, he was Dick. Now he is Richard. Now he is For Richard sure. Enrico. Quam, what you drinking to celebrate? To celebrate. Is it drinking or just how do I celebrate? No, it's drinking. What, what am beverage? I drinking to Select a beverage. You know, look at the next, the the episode, the mm-hmm. pod release party. Yeah, yeah. We're going to be drinking mm-hmm. some rosé already. So I, as I've talked about a little bit, uh, I have uh, I have a couple couple months into a new role. Um, I got into the the wine and, and spirits industry, and it's kind of reignited what I loved about especially wine. Um, mm-hmm. Getting out of like restaurants and then getting into nightclubs, I basically eliminated wine <laughs> from my world, and then I got into craft beer where you just eliminate everything except shots of maybe whiskey or. Jaeger or Malort or White Claw or White Claw. At the time so, you were in the beer well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like at festivals, <laughs> all we did was just slam White Claws. I remember and THC. <laughs> um, <laughs> and and wine was always something that I really loved. That was sort of my gateway into feeling like I understood a little bit more when I got into fine dining. 
in my early twenties. And honestly, it's been really fun getting back into bubbles as a whole, not just champagne and not just natty bubbles as a whole and making, um, actual like spritzes and making champagne cocktails it has felt really celebratory. And at the end of the year, we had kind of a, like I talked about uh, in the last episode, like we had kind of a wild rush to the finish. And it was really cool, like having a bartender pour out champagne and make champagne cocktails. Like throwing in the sugar cube, throwing in some bitters. Like that's that was something that 100 years ago, people were celebrating in the same way that we did in that moment. And I love that. And then all that did was get my wheels rolling on like, how do I make this something a little bit more interesting for me? And so now it's like, all right, I have an NA bitter orange aperitivo. I don't want to add ABV, but I just want to add some flavor. So let's throw some of that in there. Oh, what kind of weird bitters do I have? Let's do some of that. Okay. Instead of the sugar cube, what if I made a little Demerara sugar, a simple syrup, and then pour that in? that has kind of reignited my love for why champagne became a part of celebrations to start. I don't. So like a champagne cocktail. Yeah. Like, but, but riffs on it. This is your, this is your like definite trend of the year. A hundred percent. You already said it on the easy episode, but it's, it's just, it's like a celebratory cocktail. It's bringing bubbles back into celebrations for me. I'm that's that's bubbles back, yeah. right? Gate. You motherfuckers don't know how to <laughs> take them to the course. <laughs> uh, but that's literally like it, it's. I I just keep thinking about it, and I keep showing up to accounts and pitching in bubbles as like a hey, let's not forget this. Like you don't just have to have like one bottle of like. I'm not, I don't want to call a brand out and be awful, but like let's just like do, you don't have to have like some like plastic cork terrible thing that's you know 50 cents a bottle just so that you have something bubbling or something that's awfully sweet just so that you can appease one person like or something that's 450 to yeah or something that's locked in a cage and is so (laughs) stupidly out of reach for most folks like there are some really great california sparklings that are killer right now there's sparkling rosé that's fucking out of this world most definitely. We, yeah. we, we go down every path in every other wine and every craft beer and every possible, like, different, like, one shade different for whiskeys and tequilas. But for some reason, we're like, it's either champagne or it's like, meh, sparkling. Like, I, I want to kind of bring that back. And it, it's All been right. fun to continue celebrating with that. Pick one. What is the, what's the thing that you drink? Like, because... That's, yeah, that's, I mean, bubbles to celebrate, absolutely classic, absolutely. Uh, what's the thing? Is it a champagne cocktail or is yep. it like so the, some sort of, or like a sparkling wine cocktail? So I took, I took a coupe glass mm-hmm. and I did uh, just under four ounces of bubbles. I did um, absinthe, I think it's called absinthe, um, bitter orange, it's an NA, bitter orange. Three shakes of uh, um, Peychaud's bitters, and then I dropped a bourbon-soaked cherry in the bottom. Oop. And so it was bright, and it was a little bit astringent. And then as you got lower, the sweetness from that um, that whiskey cherry 
just kind of started pushing more and more out. And then by the end of it, you had a cherry that wasn't quite as sweet as it used to be. And you had a cocktail that, that started kind of bitter and just got sweeter as you went down. And that like, that was fantastic. Oh, yeah. And that was just, I'm just trying this. And so now I want to have a thing as when we drop this podcast and we have the worldwide celebration, as we see around the world, much like new year's Eve, where city by city by city, every hour, everyone erupts as they hear Jillian's voice. I feel like that's what I will finally like. Pour you know what we got to do? Myself. We got to, you know how they're walking around now with these light boards, yes. right? They walk around in the clubs, clubs. with the light boards. It's going to say pod is life, but the eye is going to be blinking off. Pod is LFV. Oh, it's LFV. <laughs> I was, by the way, I was so proud because we were, we were the first club in Minneapolis to actually have those. And my favorite one was uh, we had a sign that said he just spent his rent money. And I loved holding that up, especially when people like were having trouble finding <laughs> after they ordered all that shit, trying to figure out how to pay. Like, yep, I'll get you for a little bit. Yeah. Damn. Charles, what about you? You know, I'm just going to go to like, it, it, because, you know, we're always depending on the I mood. I drink tap water. Depending on the mood. Oh, yeah. My life's a celebration. Yeah. <laughs> I Man, I love bubbles. I love rosé. I love everything. And different celebrations call for different things. But if I think about, like, right now, the next thing that I really want to get, that I really want to get riotous about, I got a fresh boxed, unopened bottle of Beam Sumptory. Yamazaki 18. My favorite whiskey. My favorite whiskey on planet Earth. I'm proud of you for getting that. I've had it for a while, actually. And I just, I don't know why I haven't dipped into it. And I'm not, like, shy about drinking my stuff. It's just been sitting on my bar cart where all my really nice stuff sits. I'm just like, dude, I, I don't even need a good reason. It's going to be... It's Real gonna talk, be- in the next month, that bottle goes up $500 to the, to the purveyor. It's getting... It's, it's, it's out of control. It's been out of control. I used to be able to go to a, a particular bar here that's on the top level of a really beautiful hotel, and I'd be able to get a two-ounce pour of that for 40 bucks without question, on my birthday every year. Marnie would take me. She'd be like, let's go. We're going to go get get your Yamazaki 18 pour. And I remember the last time she took me, I believe it was for my 40th. They were like, no, nah, dog, we don't got that no more. And it was still on the menu. I was like, shit, this is the day you don't have it. And like, they never got it again. Nope. But I was, yeah, it was a $42 pour, two ounce pour. Get it whenever I wanted. The demand for Japanese whiskey is wild. And Yamazaki, come on. Like, you can't fuck with that. Yamazaki 18 is my favorite whiskey. Any whiskey. Offer me any whiskey. Booker's Rye, my favorite rye, like any of the BTAC stuff. Offer me anything. If you put it all on a table, I'm not going to be like, hmm, what's the most expensive? I'm going to pick the whiskey I like the most, and it's going to be Yamazaki 18, 18 times out of 18 times. Real talk, the 12 price to distributor, not even to the liquor store. Price to distributor, the twelve just went up one hundred and forty dollars. Yeah, it's and it, and like it's such a great whiskey that that kind of it makes me a little sad, but it, it is a spectacular whiskey. I'm not gonna, I'm you know, I won't, I won't deride any of this stuff. It's nope. all Yamazaki is my favorite, and they're continuing to do it producer. the right way, which is why the 100%. price is going up. Oh, 100%. because they're not trying to mass produce it, and I love that. 
it's 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 that weird battle of I want it to be affordable to everybody, but at the same time, I don't want you to change your methods of production. So you're kind of just yeah, yeah. you're fucked. Well, you I'll, know? Put it, I'll put it to you like this: if if anything's getting more expensive, that's that is a house where the value is still inherent to the product. Correct. I would pay. I would pay that. Obviously, not every day. It's not the thing you want to do. But if you you know elbow up to a bar and they have Yamazaki twelve, and you're looking at what once was a twelve dollar pour, but you're celebrating as we're discussing, you're celebrating some kind of a milestone mm -hmm. and it's now a, a $30 pour. You're going to have one, you're going to treat yourself. It's within your means. I I would encourage you to do so. And that, that Yamazaki 18, man, that's just my jam. So that, that's it. Yes. That's it. Cheers. I don't yes. see why not. Cheers. 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 Cheers then. Jillian, I just have to say thank you because I just have Brandy Carly music running in the back of my oh, head now. Welcome to the inside of my head every day. Uh, I'm a back-to-back -back here. Back-to-back! Back. Topic number five. All right. Jillian? Name an all-time favorite women's sports moment. <laughs> and not the... Not the... We changed we, it. We went back and forth on this because well, we were like... like, is it... Should it be the... Or should, and again, because on the show, just like the last topic... At any given time, something occurs to you that in the moment is the thing that you're thinking of at that moment. So, N, all-time favorite moment. I'm glad you said N, because I literally could not pick. Yeah. Like, yeah. the. <laughs> we already talked about the 96 Olympics, which I vividly remember, like, laying on the carpeted floor in our house in North Mankato, which is in southern Minnesota of the United States of America. <laughs> yeah. uh, can, I, can I ask really quick? I don't I don't know our, our age difference. Like, are you... Are, I just turned 40. Okay, so 92 was my formative Olympics. Did, just going back to the 96 Olympics thing, like, was, like, Flojo and Jackie Joyner-Kersey oh, yeah. was, the, okay, so that was still on your radar. Oh, yeah. Because, like, that was, that was the first time that I remember tracking, I don't understand why these huge celebrities. Are not huge celebrities. Don't exist <laughs> after it's done. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. They were on my cereal box and they were on every commercial and then literally like the Olympics ended and then gone. Yeah. And then the 96 Olympics came around and especially, well, you had the gymnastics team and at least there was like a little social, like there were. It's because everybody loved Carrie Strong. <laughs> yeah. Is that it? I mean, God, maybe that Which is. Which we now know was like actually abusive. Yeah. Super <laughs> creepy. I'm Bella. But yeah, like it. That was like kind of the start of me learning that lesson. But I also feel like while being in high school in 96, I was watching the women that I was surrounded by fighting against that. Mm -hmm. Where like in 92, it just felt like that was just a door that, mm -hmm. that just shut as soon as it was done. With floppy chips? With floppy chips. No, that was a hard chip. That was, that's how they locked it. It was a hard chip. It was a folded over double crunch hard chip. And we had to pour the nacho cheese of justice to allow the door to open. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Anyway. Uh, yeah. So, no, I mean, I think, like, again, vivid memories laying on the carpet floor in my parents' sunroom, like, watching the 96 Olympics and Carrie Strug's vault totally have that ingrained in my brain forever. Um, but I think for me, like, 
particularly because of my involvement with it in 2022, I was part of the um, women's basketball final four championship that happened here in Minneapolis. Um, And for those of you that may or may not be women's sports fans, um, that was the first final four a post COVID um, in like where fans could come. And there was a, there was a final four in 2021. And the big reason for the 2021 uh, final four was memorable was that was the one that Sedona Prince, who was a player for Oregon at the time, went live on TikTok to show the disparities between the women's weight room at the Final Four and the men's weight room at the Final Four tournament and kind of like threw open this door around women equality in, in athletics. And so I was on the what they call the LOC, the Local Organizing Committee, for the 2022 uh, Final Four here in Minneapolis. Uh, and we felt like all the pressure in the world of making this like all about women, celebrating women, making it, in a lot of ways better than the men's tournament was that year because we didn't want to have that same response that Sedona Prince kind of threw open to the world the year okay. before. So we, and, it, and we were led, the LOC was led again by like an entirely group of kick-ass women who I think also had that little chip on their shoulders of like, oh yeah, I've been second guest in a meeting before, or I've been challenged in a way that, you know, I resonate with what Sedona was talking about last year. And so, um, that one's a little bit more of a personal one of, you know, at the time in 2022, we broke every single record around attendance, around viewership, around you name it, marketing dollars. We had the first like literally three days before the championship game. We got contacted by ABC and they said, uh, we're changing the time of the championship game because we want to put you in prime time. And we were like, cool. It's not like we've been planning for these times for the last six <gasps> months. Let's just go ahead and, but we did it because it was so freaking cool yeah. that we were like going to put the women's basketball national championship game in prime time that we were yeah. like, nobody's sleeping for three days. We are, we were making this happen. It's and so like that call some often comes through for the, for a different, like a oh, worse reason. That's for like, sure. You, like, it's a good, oh, still difficult. There's a preseason reason, right? baseball game on. You guys are going to be at <laughs> yeah. three o'clock, you know? Um, and so, and so that for me, I think was a huge women's sports moment, not only for me personally, because I was involved, but I think that was really the beginning for a lot of people of awareness of the inequities that exist in women's sports. Those of us that were kind of in the world knew about it for years. Um, but, but for folks that maybe weren't paying as much attention to women's sports, uh, that was like this massive movement that was instigated by this viral TikTok video from this player from Oregon, um, who now plays for TCU, by the way, fun fact. Um, but, and so, and so, pulling off this like unbelievably successful now like modeled after women's final four tournament in 2022 in Minneapolis was easily the coolest thing. One of the coolest things I've ever been involved in. Um, and honestly, if I'm being real, like probably what ignited me to continue on to the journey that I'm on right now was like, that was when the sports bra opened was when I was sitting around with all these women planning this women's final four tournament. And we were all sitting around like, Oh my God, did you hear about this bar in Portland? Like who's going to do it here as we all stare around the table, looking at everybody else. Well, yeah. And I mean, we laugh about that all the time now. Like never, never did I think that was me. Like we're all sitting around talking about that. And I was like, it didn't even literally cross my mind to be like, I should do it. Um, I just kept waiting for somebody that knew far more about this to do it and nobody did. So then I said, fuck it. That's the best part though. I'm going to do it. uh, To quote Melissa McCarthy, 
somebody asked her in an interview, uh, like, how did you get so good so fast? And she was like, I didn't know enough to overthink it. Literally. I, I just wanted to do a thing and I just kept doing it. Yeah. And honestly, like, I love your coming in with fresh ideas, not a whole bunch of, well, like, and what we're doing has literally never been done here before. Correct. So there's not so a book that I have to follow. Go. Like I say that to people all the time. They're like, well, I don't know. I know sports bars don't typically. And I was like, I don't Get care what sports bars typically do nope. or don't do. Like we, mm -hmm. there is no rule book where I'm living right now. And that's yeah. kind of how I live my life anyway. But, um, but to be able to do that from a business perspective and like, just kind of tell, you know, I get these vendors that come to me and they're like, well, you're going to need three of these and four of those. And I was like, really? Nope. <laughs> like, but what if I didn't? Because nope. I'm probably not going to. Nope. Um, and so I think that that's, yeah. So I think that um, that women's final four was impactful for me in so many different ways. And without a doubt in my mind, probably lit the fire that, that led me where I'm at today. That's so rad. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. Yeah. Watch women's sports, y'all. Fuck an A-right. Because, like, check the numbers. Everybody else's. Yeah. <laughs> so, I when you ask this question, is it moment in sports or is it with a sports athlete? I don't overthink things, said right? Ben Quam. Yeah, but I know, well. Oh, I do all the time. <laughs> I know you do. It's in sports, but I think you're going to talk about Rebecca Brunson. I'm not. <laughs> but you know what? I, all right, love, fuck we it. We love us some BB in this house. We do. All right. I mean. Can we tell that story? We were all there. Yeah. All right. Yeah. We've, I mean, we've alluded to it. It's, you know, we haven't gone, we haven't deep dive. We don't have to deep dive either, but huh. the fact that uh, actually we connected earlier. Yeah. About, do you remember? And mm -hmm. Oh shit. I, I, we've, because we've stayed away from like talking about it. I, I didn't, I didn't want to even bring that up, but. I thought that's what you meant when you said that. No, Immediately my mind went there. No, like, uh, <laughs> I, I was still staying away from it. I, I was going to say. Uh, Why are we staying away from it? Because we, it wasn't, the whole thing was it wasn't about any of us. No, I mean, it for sure it wasn't. But that was but why. it's a kick-ass freaking story. It, yeah, you're right. We I, had a, I, yeah, we, we all were part of organizing an event that where we invited exclusively inner city kids yep. to come watch. The, the first Black Panther yep. at a movie theater and we bust them and they came and watched the movie with us and it was fucking awesome. And Rebecca Brunson joined us and the news is there. And you know, Rebecca and, Brunson gave one of the if most. If you don't know who she is, you should. That's only should. only five-time WNBA champion. Yep. Happens to live in <laughs> Minneapolis. Yeah. Happens to own a kick-ass uh, business with her wife, Bobby Joe. Sweet Trevi cookies. Vegan mm -hmm. cookies, y'all. The best cookies. I literally have some in my fridge right now. And like, what a boss. She just, she, like, it didn't, she just came. She just wanted to be there. It was we, important enough. We, to give full background, we had heard that uh, a certain men's basketball team was getting brought to the movie, and the women's basketball team wasn't even talked to. And it started womp there. Womp. It started there. And then it just, the more that we talked about it, the more that we were trying to get more people involved. And uh, Jillian and our good friend, Nicole Foster, really- My work wife. Who is so dope, worked really hard to, we wanted to fill the theater. And shout out to Imagine Theaters. And my homie, Travis Joseph, who helped secure all of that, they gave pop and popcorn to every single one of the kids that came in. And I will never forget uh, Rebecca Brunson getting up in front of everybody. We gave her a microphone. She got up in front of everybody. And, and she said, you're about to see superheroes on the screen. Mm. And some of you who might know who I am, maybe you think I, like I'm a hero. It's you. 
all you're seeing is you reflected on the screen and every single one of you in here could be that person. Y'all could be me. Y'all could be any, it was like, Mm -hmm. I, I literally was just standing there just wiping tears away from my eyes, just listening to off the cuff, man, like not reading off a paper, man. She She just, she murdered it. And it was, it was, it was amazing. And like, God, that's so much better and bigger than the story that I was going to tell. I, the, the reason that I said it with an athlete or a sports moment was my favorite athlete moment was uh, Lindsey Whalen, who is basketball god in my world, uh, stole my hat when I was DJing one night. It was my favorite hat. Is this your selection? Are no. You, or are you daily doubling again? No, I'm, I'm just saying, like, <laughs> you didn't tell me which one I had to go with, so I'm going to deal with both. So uh, eventually, end of the night, she comes back around. She gives it back to me, and it's like the whole fucking hat's just sweated through. And she puts it back in my head, and she's like, you're an all right DJ. I was like, well, thanks for giving me my hat back. And I always had a permanent marker sitting in my DJ booth, and she grabbed it, and she mashed the bill of my hat against my face, and she signed it, and she goes, there, now it's at least worth something. And she winked at me, and she walked away. And it was my favorite interaction. Like, that was, it was so boss. And at the t- at the same time, like so sweet. But do you have the hat still? It unfortunately no, was stolen. Thank you. It lived at my house for seven years no. on its own peg, and I had a party, and somebody walked away with it. Which honestly, gross, because that hat was so sweaty from both me and Lindsay. Yeah. Like the fact that somebody like wore that. Ugh. Maybe they didn't. But someday, uh, Lindsay has an outstanding invite to this show. Someday, I want to have her on here because I don't even know if she remembers that. But it was one of my favorite all-time interactions with who I consider a massive celebrity and one of the greatest athletes I've ever interacted with. And uh, also tied back to Bar Their Own, she sent in, uh, she messaged me on Instagram and we were talking about the bar and she sent me her game-worn jersey from the Shut 20, up. from the 2015 <laughs> championship game. Signed it, Naismith Hall of Famer, Lindsey Whalen. I like was just crying, like a FedEx box showed up at my house and it was like the return address Unreal. was Lindsey Whalen and I was like, what is happening? Oh my God. Uh, yeah, just incredible human. Well, we're dear so world, lucky. if one of you are the people that stole that high life hat that has Lindsey Whalen's autograph on it. It was a high life hat? It was, it was a bright no. red trucker Miller high life hat. It had the girl in the moon oh, on yeah. it. Yeah. And yeah. it was great because for two hours I got to watch her kill it on the dance floor rocking my hat. And I was like, you know what? That's a good way to send that hat off. And then she still gave it back to me. So whoever you are, if you're out there, please bring it to a bar of their own starting sometime in March. And we'll put it right next to the Naismith because to me, they're the same. <laughs> to me, they're the same. Uh, <laughs> I mean, what jersey doesn't need a hat? Sports moment, actual sports moment. As I referenced earlier, uh, yeah. As I referenced earlier, eat a dick, Charles. Uh, We're at number I, three, folks. As I referenced earlier, um, I got to be the, the manager of my high school basketball team. And in 1996, there was one other team that was nationally ranked here in the state of Minnesota. And it was Rochester Mayo. And they had a set of twins, twins. Coco and Kelly. Yes. And the whole year, everybody was hyping it up. And by the time we got there, that was the first time that I had ever seen women's high school basketball mentioned in ESPN, the magazine, when that even existed. Miller twins. Uh, And it it got crazy. And we sold out Williams Arena where the Gophers play and Bobby Jackson held the door for me 
when we walked in. Like, he was like, yo, y'all are royalty. Come on in, which was kind of dope uh, from the team that doesn't exist in the record books, but that's fine. Yeah, right. <laughs> and Greatest Gophers basketball team in my lifetime. Yeah. And I remember um, when we won, when the clock ticked down, you know, I like, I, I'm, I'm not playing, but I had played in every practice and I had taken every single stat and I had worked the camera all the way up in the back of the bleachers. And I remember rushing onto the court with these humans who were these, these amazing women who were like my closest friends and literally telling myself for the first time in my life, like not to cry mm-hmm. and not because I didn't want to show weakness, but literally just because this is like the fucking happiest moment ever. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to get my emotions mixed up because we still have another game to go, you know? Like, there's still another game. And sadly, we ended up losing the title game. But that that moment, looking around Williams Arena and just seeing all the way up people there. Mm. For all the shit that we had heard from, like, high school games where 45 people showed up about how nobody cares. And then seeing it build to that. Mm-hmm. You know, and seeing all of my friends who had made fun of me a month ago and dropped words that at the time were somewhat acceptable in in public, definitely not now, faces painted, rocking shirts that they had made. That was like one of those moments where like, fuck what people think, like do what you think is right, do what feels good, do what you want to be a part of and like they'll figure it out. Mm -hmm. And I'm to the, for the rest of my life, I will be so honored that I just got to stand on a court, not share a court. I just got to stand on a court with Aaron Skelly and Lisa Bicey and Joy Thomas and Erica Haugen and Jamie Podratz and Annie and Tiffany Cans and like Taya Brodine and Jesse Green. Like they were just some of the most amazing people. And to this day, we're all still friends. Mm-hmm. And five of them went D1. Mm-hmm. Like I got to be on a court with all of them, not because I played, but just because they let me be there. Mm-hmm. And I will never forget that feeling. And I can't wait to sit at your bar, Jillian, and get to watch other kids that age experiencing that. And then look around and seeing a bunch of people who don't think it's odd that we're watching it on TV. Right. You know, a bunch of kids that are just seeing themselves when they're older. Yep. Doing that. Who will never have to wonder, like, oh, I wish I would have learned about this when I was younger. Like, they all just get to be there. Yep. And... For myriad reasons, I love what you're doing, but for that one specifically, like 17 year old me is so stoked to get to be there because he still lives right here. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm so excited. Yeah, it's gonna be awesome. Oh yeah, fucking rad. Oh yeah. Hell yeah. Shall we cheers one of us? No, I haven't even. Charles, I just want to cheers you anyway because I just took your, I took your choice. I took my choice. (laughs) He, to- he, he gave three. <laughs> he gave all of our chances. Cheers to Quam fucking himself. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna daily double, but yeah, hit, hit me with that daily double. I'm gonna go in two directions that I think uh, I didn't expect anyone else to go in, and that's cool. I'm an MMA fan. I I love mixed martial arts. Mm. People don't necessarily know this today or remember this because it's been over a decade. But the only reason the UFC has a women's any women's divisions, they have multiple women's divisions. It's because of Ronda Rousey. Mm-hmm. Ronda. 
when Ronda Rousey rose to prominence in the late aughts, early 2010s, she was just arm barring motherfuckers Mm -hmm. and she looks mean and uh, her mother was a judoka and she was a judoka Olympic level and she was just tearing, tearing through people. And at the time she was signed to strike force. She only fought two non-title fights in her whole career. Her career was two non-title fights followed by 10 title fights. And then she retired and went to pro wrestling. But in 2012, she had her last fight in strike force against Sarah Kaufman. She armbarred her in 50 something seconds. Jeez. And because of that fight, Dana White, he's a piece of shit. Piece of shit. Piece of shit. That guy's a shitbag. Boo. Perked up when he had said forever that he was not going to do women's MMA because there's this perception that women punching each other is somehow less civil than men punching each other. (laughs) But once she did that, he started to say, like, what's the Ronda Rousey division? We're going to, we got to, because they bought Strike Force and they were like, Ronda Rousey's more popular than any men's fighter that we have. Mm-hmm. We have to start booking her fights. And because of her coming along and continuing to armbar motherfuckers and, and win a, a crazy number of fights in a row, they had to like lean in. They had to say, I mean, we have to provide this opportunity to all these women who are coming up that are similarly talented or are training in the same gyms and, learning similar skill sets. She is like unfairly besmirched because of her losing her last couple of fights and people saying like, ah, she wasn't that good. People coming in now are so much better than she is. I don't, I don't subscribe to that. I don't think it's true. She's a fucking pioneer. The daily double portion of the equation is that she became a pro wrestler. You can call it sports. It's athletics, whatever you want to call it. It's she wrestled at MetLife stadium in front of 70,000 people in the main event of WrestleMania 35 against uh, against Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair in a three. It's the first and only WrestleMania main event that featured women. 70,000 people. This is in 2019. This is very recently that those three ladies wrestled in front of, and Becky Lynch ended up winning that match, and she won the world title. But that's a really big mm-hmm. deal if you're a wrestling fan or a wrestling historian. And Ronda was part of that too, but that's kind of like a tip of the cap to her. People who want to diminish her accomplishments uh, as an as an athlete, as a performer, as a as a pro wrestler, she's a yeah, she's a pioneer. She's a, she's got some sketchy views, but like <laughs> as, as a as a performer, she's an and an athlete, she's an absolute pioneer. That was it's it's rad, like and just seeing. The doors that broke down and now seeing yeah. like again, I so I I took twenty years off of pro wrestling. Like I kind of gave that up in college. And then starting this podcast with Charles and he would talk about it and his brother would talk about it. I kind of started watching it. And again, uh it I can't remember what the pay-per-view was, but when uh it was Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks, like that was the best match of that entire tournament. And the crowd was 100% behind it. And it just seems like time after time Mm. after time, we're watching this happen. Like volleyball records, hockey records, basketball records, fucking wrestling records. Bianca Belair is the best athlete in wrestling. Like, Like full stop. She's the best athlete in all of pro wrestling. Period. Like I remember texting you when she 
caught Sasha off the top rope, rolled backwards, and then fucking like military pressed her over her shoulders and walked up the stairs with her. I was like, I'm sorry. I've never seen anything like that before. And maybe I just haven't seen enough wrestling, but uh, what? And you were like, yeah, dude, she's absolutely an anomaly. Yeah. And you hear the crowd. Mm. And then athlete, Tennessee. Yeah. And then you read, you read the like the comments on the fucking bullshit. Nobody watches women's and you're sports. Like, what, what are you watching that you don't hear that crowd, that you don't see those numbers? Like, how far either up your own ass or into the sand do you have to stick your head to not see what the world is showing? But again, that's the blinders of bigotry. It's just fucking, it's amazing. Ah. Well. Cheers. Scoop. Cheers. Yeah, to that, I'll just say, like, it's really cool to see pro wrestling, like women's pro wrestling in WWE in particular is, it's, it's prolific. Like, it's like a whole other, it was never really treated very seriously and they weren't necessarily recruiting real athletes until I would say the last 10, 12 years. But now it's like super cool to see. It just opens up this entire other avenue for like an entire new subset of performers and new stories to be told. Mm -hmm. It's, yeah, it's it's just really, really cool to see. Mm -hmm. And I I was just double checking uh, Dr. Google because uh, the Cavender twins uh, who were, who were, outstanding uh, basketball players mm-hmm. from Miami uh, just signed with WWE mm-hmm. and it was this whole like big, yeah. huge, 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 right. huge thing. I think that, was it one of one them of decided them is, to come back? One of college? them decided to come back for a COVID year. Yeah. yeah. So they, they show a lot of promise because if you know like who the Bella twins are, mm-hmm. you know, that's from a, a bygone age where like they weren't great athletes, but they did really well. And, um, uh, you know, they, they had varying success and th- those two women are like super athletes. <laughs> so I'm really excited to see if, if they end up being yeah. a part of NXT and then going through the program. But I've been keeping an eye on them because of that. Cause I yeah. saw them sign the deal and I was like, Oh shit. Like that's like a future twin magic situation. Having, having those two on the roster. Super cool. Uh, yeah. I'll be keeping an eye on them for sure. Yeah. Rad. Again, yeah. whole new world. Uh, so kind of to wrap it up, uh, we are all of a certain age. We've all been through, as we've talked about during a number of these questions, we've been a part of, uh, some eras where views were shit and not saying that they're great now, but we're trending in a certain direction and in the midst of all the muck, in the midst of all the shit, in, in the midst of every fucking comment section, on every great article that you see, like what, what gives you hope? What gives you, what keeps fueling you? What keeps pushing like forward into the positivity? Yeah. Whew. Um, I like was instantly just like flushed with the emotions of, of reading a couple of things. Um, I think, I think the, we've talked a lot already tonight about the next generation, right. Of like young girls and boys seeing women's athletes, on a pedestal in a way that they've never been. And that is like so inspiring to me. And what like 
to me is holding as much power and as much like importance to me in this whole process um, is what I like to think about as like the first generation. Um, I'm friends with so many folks that would consider themselves like the title nine babies that are, you know, folks that are in their late fifties, early sixties. Mama Joyce is one of them, right? That like, those are the folks, a phrase I use a lot in my personal life and now have used in transition with the bar is talking about standing on the shoulders of giants, right? And I think of of the women, like I'm going to get emotionally even thinking about it, like the women that when this was not only like not popular, but like dangerous to be an athlete and to be a woman um, and the work that they did and the things that they risked to get us to the point that we are now. Um, I, I got an email. Uh, I, the craziest part about this whole thing is, you know, Ben mentioned this media. It's It's been nuts. Like it's, I thought it would take off. Like I felt pretty confident in that, but um, the level with which it has gone viral uh, completely shocked me. Um, I mean, I'm talking like this morning I woke up to an email from a guy, here we go again, Australia, uh, <laughs> just really trying to pander to these Australian <laughs> listeners, um, who won a jumper from an Australian rules football player, an autographed jumper from an athlete that signed. And he's like, I want to send it to you to hang in your bar. And I was like, dude, how do you know who I am? Like, <laughs> this is insane. Like that level of stuff is happening like on a regular basis. Um, um, and so like that part of it is, is cool, but the emails that like get me almost even more are the ones that are like, I just got an email from a woman that said, um, it's, you know, Minnesota hashtag local connection. Um, she saw my story on some news media outlet and basically was like, I helped start the softball team at the College of St. Benedict, which is a place that I worked for eight years. Um, and I'm good friends with the head coach at that at that college now. Um, and you know, she's like, I'm 71 years old now. I live in Kansas and I really just want to have a sticker from your bar because like never in my wildest dreams did I think that like something like this would exist. And I literally was just sobbing, like reading this email, like what divine intervention, I'm not a super religious person, but like what divine intervention happened so that this woman who randomly heard about this bar I'm starting in Minneapolis, Minnesota, um, and happens to have this like Minnesota connection to a place and a people that I hold very near and dear to my heart. Um, it's like those kind of stories. I don't want to get lost yeah. in all of the excitement about what this is going to do for the future generations is like, we are standing on the shoulders of just some unbelievable pioneers. Um, you know, you talk about Ronda Rousey in wrestling. You talk about, you know, Rebecca Brunson in basketball, Lindsay Whalen in basketball. Like, there's, like, unknown heroes and pioneers in every small city and town in the United States um, that was affected by Title IX legislation when that passed 50 years ago. And, and those are the people that I also want to create this space for and create a place to celebrate those people because their stories weren't told um, because they weren't the best athletes because it was, they were the first people to play basketball for you know women's mm -hmm. basketball. Yeah. So they were never going to be the Lindsay Whalens. Um, but what they did paved the path for the Lindsay Whalens to exist. And, and that part of me, I'm literally just getting goosebumps even thinking about it because to me, those people are like, 
the reason that we can exist in the way that we do today, um, the reason that that I'm able to create a space so that the next generation of kids can see um, see themselves in in future endeavors on a, in athletics, and you know, I two two that are just sticking in my brain right now are are local close friends of mine, Mary Tyson Miller and uh, Sue Sue Bremer. Both women, local women here in the Twin mm-hmm. Cities community that have lived and breathed um, athletics as long as they've been alive. And like, I think of them, and every time they walk into the bar right now under construction, they like break down into tears because they just can't fathom that, that we're at this place. So, um, so that's what gives me hope is like finding this place where those two worlds can coexist. Um, and that doesn't exist right now. Like there is not a place where the eight year old who just got into summer league softball can sit at the bar next to my 70 year old friends that started the golf program for girls, you know, like, like how freaking cool is that? And like, what, how will that change both of their lives and the lives of everybody around them? So anyway, I, I could get geeked out about this stuff all day long, um, which is what makes starting this bar not really feel like work, even though I'm scrubbing urine stained paint <laughs> yeah. tiles and uh that's unfathomably and d- cool. doing construction but yeah i mean i think that like those are the things that just like when i when i get the hater comments and like we had, we had a post about the pwhl game on saturday that went, went like crazy viral and i'm not used to viral yet that's not yeah. a thing i do yeah. um but i have like three hundred fifty thousand views on tiktok or something and 90 percent of the comments are no offense white dudes uh oh but you know, the upper bowl is empty. Don't say that the game is fun. And I'm like, go. How go, hard do you have to try? Go somewhere it's, else. You know, it's like, just like, yeah. Go somewhere else. Do some other shit. And yeah, then I get the, and then, but then there's that one <laughs> comment that's like, I brought my daughter. She just started, you know, skating and she's six years old. And like, I'm like, okay, that just erased like 75% of all the <laughs> negative comments because yeah. that's what I'm going to focus on mm-hmm. because that's what we're doing and that's what's important. Fuck yeah. That's absolutely it. Yeah. Charles, what about you? I think my point of view on this, because it's, it's a lot to be a little worried about <laughs> in regard to our present and future. Uh huh. I'm going to say uh, the kids are all right. Oh, hell yeah. You know, like, and we've talked a lot about like, eh, these fucking iPad kids and they're like uh, screens taped to their faces and, you know. We've done that whole bit, but seeing the ways that the kids are looking at our ecosystem, our our government, our healthcare systems, we are, what we're doing right now is we're like sledging the foundation that we subsist upon. And I'm worried about what's going to be left to them they're going to need a lot of gold to kintsugi this motherfucker. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm concerned about that. But I have faith that most of the generations that are going to come up beneath us are capable, more capable. We're increasingly more capable as the generations go on. I'm I I have great confidence and faith that they're they're care, they're capable of of fixing the things that can be fixed because of the way that they view the world uh, at a at a higher percentage than prior generations. 
like each generation that's passed has had a little more of a clear focused view on like what is and what isn't without delving too deeply into all that. But what I'd say is I think the kids are all right. And I hope that we leave something for them to repair some things for them to repair. I hope that we don't leave too many things that are irreparable, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I just, I, I think that for all the criticisms about the state of the world technologically, that's, those are, those are paltry fears. I, I, I want to see them consugiate. I want to live long enough to see a little gold in between all the cracks. You know, they're not going to fucking terraform the earth, but just like, I hope there's enough left yeah. for them mm-hmm. to save something for future generations and, and, and whatever they're, they're left to work with. I feel great confidence that they're going to make the best of it mm-hmm. at a, at a high frequency, not a hundred percent, but uh, the, the kids are all right. That's my point of view. I love that. Before I answer this question, I just have to say I'm mortified that I left Jesse Abergast out of my, Osseo girls team, and I, I feel awful that I left her off that. So. I was going to point that out. Jesse Abergast, I love you so much. <laughs> You're fucking rad. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Uh, <laughs> um, I I look at, like, the way that, that music is and being an adult watching the entire music system, the recording industry, fall apart in front of me. There's it's tough because it took a lot of like monetary success out of it. But at the same time, it kept old rich white men from gatekeeping anymore. And now you hear a lot more queer voices. You hear a lot more colored voices. You hear a lot more female voices in everything. And anybody can make music and anybody can get it out there. And I think in a weird way, we've democratized it. It's not as lucrative of a living if you make it famous but anybody can get their voice heard. And I love, I love that. But me asking this question, Jillian, was 100% self-serving because it's, it's what you're doing. You know, um, one of my best friends in high school, Tracy Donahue, was such a good hockey player that she wasn't allowed to play with other women. Mm. So she had to play with the boys. And then when varsity hockey hit, uh, she, I think, still owns the record for most time spent in the penalty box yeah. for a high school female hockey player <laughs> because she didn't <laughs> want to change her game. And Tracy Donahue is a badass motherfucker who I still love to death. And I think about two weeks ago, I was at Park Tavern, and uh, I was with a good friend of ours, a friend of the program, former guest of the program, Melly Morozik, she had to leave, and the only open seat at the bar was next to me. And this woman sat down. I would gauge late 60s, early 70s. And there was one TV that was on uh, WNBA basketball. Hey, yo. And we were both just sitting watching it. And I cheered for a basket, and she looked at me surprised as if like she was blown away that I was watching women's basketball. And we started chatting a little bit, just kind of making small talk. And she said, well, okay, so if you watch women's basketball, who's your favorite coach? (laughs) And I said, honestly, I'm more of a collegiate basketball fan. Uh, I'm I'm a Pat Summit guy. Oh, yeah. And she just like, well, how do you know Pat Summit? And I'm like, well, well, and I told the story of said high school basketball team. 
and that one of my most breathless crushes was Kristen Clement from the 97 Tennessee team. And she's like, well, so how did you know her? And then I told this story about Osseo and it turns out that she was the Osseo women's basketball coach before coach Thorpe took over, mm -hmm. who was our coach. And we started talking and she ended up marrying one of the English teachers that I had taken classes from. Mm -hmm. And so we were chatting and eventually we got around to me telling her about your bar. Mm. And uh, her name is Deanna. I'm not going to throw out her last name because I don't want to like put her out there. But um, it was it was an incredibly emotional conversation because she was having trouble even believing that there were that many people mm. that cared. And she's like, don't get me wrong. Like, I, I see that the crowds are growing. But I remember, like, whether or not we were going to have a basketball team next mm. year. Not whether or not, like, this was going to be a thing with professional leagues. And, and we just sat and we talked. And, like, we exchanged phone numbers. And we've been texting since. And she was so excited because she wants to bring, like, her grandkids yes. to the bar, like, when you open. Come on, Indiana. And that was, like, that was what reminded me of why I wanted to ask you this question and why I wanted to basically load it up just so that I could tell you. Like, I met a stranger at a bar <laughs> and we both ended up wiping tears away talking about how rad it is that we get to live in a time where this is a thing. Mm -hmm. And she was the one that said it. She's like, the best part is I know that my granddaughters won't ever have to have this moment. And that's a thing where, like, we're watching it change. And I just wanted to, again, use that as a reason to say thank you to you for what you're doing and just say how fucking rad it is. And it's sad that it's as revolutionary as it is, but at the same Preach. fucking time, every wall we push down means there's yeah. more people that can just walk right the fuck through it. Got to be a number three to be a number four. There's got to yep. be a number 100 to be a number 100. That's it. Yeah. No, thanks for that. I mean, I think it's, there's so many of those stories and I'm still, I'm still trying to find ways as they're all coming in to like document as many of them as I can, because yeah. I don't want to lose them. Because when I tell you there's some every day, there are some every day. Fuck me right. Um, and, and so I think that, um, you know, I think that that's like, I'm just so excited to think about all those other stories that will continue to be told. And um, I mean, to your point, Charles, like we announced September 15th, uh, the bar officially, um, and since then, so three-ish months, I've talked to women from seven or eight different cities that are working on doing, starting something similar. Oh, fuck um, yes. So everything yeah. from New York to Denver to San Francisco to Long Beach, California. I mean, Chicago. I mean. That's dope. And, and, and every time I'm like, you know, I'm not open right yet. Like, I mean, like, I'm not open yet. And they're like, I know, but like, I'm at the phase that you were at like yeah. three months ago. And, and so again, it just gets back to this, like standing on the shoulders of giants thing. And, um, and thinking that, that, yeah, every, every brick that's been laid before us is, is getting us closer to our goal. And, oh, yeah. um, so yeah, those, I hope those stories continue to be told and Fuck I'm yeah. super excited to have a place to have them be shared. hundred percent. Can I also, uh, I just want to remark this, like take gender out of the equation. Mm -hmm. There are just not any, there, there are very, there are very few real small family owned sports bars mm -hmm. that I can go to, yep. to watch anything. I love like a sports bar, like a small family owned 
or like privately owned sports bar. We just we don't really have mm. many of those. Nope. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm super looking forward to like coming to like a cool ass chill, like a space I know is really cool that you're going to make even cooler and eating some chimkin wings mm-hmm. with the double dip and slurry. I'm sorry. Are you going to have blue cheese? Are you, gonna have blue you know, my wife said that we couldn't have blue cheese and I told her that was not a decision she could make. I'll bring my own. I'll bring my own blue cheese. That's not, that won't smell weird. She cheese guy. Like pocket. Well, he doesn't do. have hot sauce oh, in his bag. He's got blue cheese in his <laughs> bag. Got blue, that's the most Minnesota thing I've ever had. Got blue cheese in my bag. Swag. Swag. Yeah. Blue cheese in one pocket, some Krabby B. Craig's in the other. They, Just blast on some wings. Yeah. I, I'm, I I'm super looking forward to it. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be really fucking cool. It'll be really fucking cool. Uh, so one more time, let everybody know, uh, how to find you on the interwebs and the intranets. The intranets. We are everywhere at a bar of their com. That's the website bar of their own, uh, social, all the channels. Um, I'm still not very good at TikTok, but then I post something and like 350,000 people see it. So, oh. uh, maybe I'm better at it than I think I am. Uh, but yeah, follow that. Uh, you can sign up for our email list on the news or on the, on the website, but the socials are the word that we're spending most of the place. And March one is the goal for an open date, which yeah. puts us seven ish weeks away. Um, send all the good vibes to the city of Minneapolis and approving our liquor license because that's what we're waiting for. So, um, so yeah, so come on out if you're ever in the Twin Cities area. Um, please stop by and visit us and check out what we got. And, yeah, and if you're in the other two markets, support those bars. Absolutely. Yeah, 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 so let's, let's shout out both. because There's actually discuss, three. Yeah, there's, there's actually three, three, three that, that exist so got the currently. Sports Bra in Portland. So Sports Bra in Portland, Oregon, owned by Jen, uh, Jenny Wynn, who's incredible. Uh, Rough and Tumble Pub is in Seattle, Washington, owned by Jen Barnes. She's Damn, incredible. is crushing it. Yeah, I, they're, all, they're all in the Midwest. Or really? they're, all, they're all in the oh, East, shit. in the West Coast. Okay. And the third is called Icarus Wings and Things, and that's in Salem, Oregon, mm. um, owned by this great couple named Kelly and Aaron. So, so, yeah, Salem, Salem, Seattle, and Portland, and soon coming soon in in Minneapolis, Minneapolis. Minnesota. Not St. Paul, Minneapolis, not Mi- St. Paul, Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, shit. Uh, thank you so much for yeah, being a part of this. Me. I know how crazy it is to open a bar, and just thank you for whittling out some time because it's it's the madhouse right now. It is. Uh, but just know that we'll be there uh, as soon as things get ready. As soon as we're loud in the doors to consume things. Boom, we're here. LFE Nation, especially looking at you, Chad Swecker. Uh, we are on our way to go hang out there for opening weekend. So everybody, everybody in our listenership, wherever you are, whether you're local or somewhere else, if you travel through the Twin Cities, please come meet us there. Message us if you're going there. Let us know. Really? We'll meet you there. Get your Rebecca, Rebecca Brunson jerseys and let's fun. Let's go. We, your, we may have a talking go. Rebecca Brunson doll at the bar. I love just saying. If one of you motherfuckers shows up in a Miller High Life hat with Lindsay Whalen's <laughs> autograph, I will fucking high five you and take the hat back. I, I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm just gonna snatch that. <laughs> but uh, all right. Until then, we love you so much. Thank you guys, everybody, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>